0: Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel and the Romero's Living Dead Retrospective Podcast Where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums and shorts That are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended Geeks!
1: Geeks! Geeks!
0: Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel where every single Friday we take you through another installment in a classic horror retrospective franchise and this week we are starting a new journey. I'm your host Al White and joining me throughout this entire, I don't know, I just used the word journey. What other word is there for journey? Great. So, is <laughs> <it's- laughs> first timers to the horror channel, Haruka Abe. Hi. And Christina Masterson.
1: Hi. How
0: are you both doing?
1: Grand fantastic
0: (laughs) i don't believe you Uh, there's trepidation in your voices it's got to get better than last week that's all i'm gonna say yeah you're both okay so christina people will know you from our podcast if they've been listening on the star wars show yes (laughs) yeah and which is ongoing there's many many more to come
1: oh yeah they were just premiering the new solo trailer right
0: Yeah, yeah. so next month we'll be going back and opening that door again and doing another one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually technically meant to do two because we we didn't get to do a proper Last Jedi, so we're meant to do the proper Last Jedi one. And then do you remember we made made a promise when we left the Last Jedi, we said that we didn't get to review it properly because we just went to cinema and then came out and gave our opinions. So we were going to do a proper tearing it apart one.
1: Oh, I forgot. The <laughs> <But> okay. completely.
0: <laughs> this is the contract you signed, so it's too late. And Haruka Abe, you've been on many of our things, but the Danny Boyle podcast. Yeah, that was is, fun. Yeah, that's your only franchise one. You've been with mm-hmm. us, right? Yeah, correct. So this is first time horror for both of you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So when I put this one out, because originally we were going to be doing Scream uh, at this point. And then we changed the order of stuff because of some scheduling. So, I wanted to do Romero's Living Dead stuff. That's an interesting series. We get to go through the decades, which is kind of fun. So, you get to like see very different interpretations of things. And I asked people who was interested. I had a, quite a few people actually contacted me. I'm in London at the moment and Haruka's in London. And we've wanted to do one of these together for a while. So, like you were kind of a shoo-in. And then I thought it'd be fun. Yeah, like when Christina, you said you're up for it. I was like, well, two people haven't done a horror one before. Might as well Start you out on the same one, newbies. So yeah, because it's not the like you know there are. This is not the nastiest one. You might not like any of these films. I don't know. We're about to find (laughs) out. But it's certainly at least it's not like you know like Hellraiser or even Mm. like like Texas Chainsaw Massacre where you're going to be dealing with some really nasty movies.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) This is a little cuddlier. So yeah, we're going to be doing seven movies and then a wrap-up episode for people who are saying to me, hang on, there's only six Living Dead films. You are correct, but we're going to be throwing in The Crazies.
4: So The Crazies
0: is a film that George Romero directed between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And I'm going to be arguing that it is actually a Living Dead film, even though it doesn't have the name. Mm. So that's why we're throwing that one in there.
1: I do got to say that cover, though, is, is my favorite cover of all the DVDs that I got in the mail
0: they so new far. covers, yeah. Yeah. There's a new, like, I think it's Arrow Video have put it out. There's a really cool cover that they've got on that one. Ooh. It looks awesome. Like the, the one with the gas mask kind of thing.
1: I think so. I
0: think that's the one. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, we'll be dealing with that next week. And hopefully, if scheduling goes right, uh, the three of us will then return sometimes next year to actually look at some of the remakes of these films as well. Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of remakes of these movies. Um, so, we'd only look at the cinematic remakes to get some, yeah juxtaposition going on but this week we're going to deal with night of the living dead a classic film came out in 1968 directed by george romero written by john a russo and george romero produced by carl hardman and russell strainer music by 13 different people but i'm going to get to that Wow! On. starring dwayne jones as ben judith O'Dea as barbara carl hardman as harry cooper Meryl eastman as helen cooper keith wayne as tom judith ridley as judy and russell strainer as johnny Budgeted at $114,000. Average at the time was about three to $3.5 to make a movie. Uh, so very, very, very small budget at the time. It has grossed. Do you want to guess how much this movie has grossed off of $114,000? Huh.
2: A lot? Mm. No? A lot? <laughs> is that your exact
3: figure?
0: <laughs> it has grossed $30 million wow. uh, worldwide. This is, uh, or was at least, the biggest independent movie of all time until Blow Witch Project uh, came along. Oh, wow. And then Paranormal Activity, then usurped that as well. This is still one of the biggest returns on a film of all time, and it has a very sad and interesting story. So apologies, because mm-hmm. the beginning of this episode is going to be me explaining some of the history to do with this film, because it's fascinating. Mm. It was shot over 30 days by only around about 16 people, not including the actors, but... but Almost all the actors were also people doing other stuff on this shoot. So, they were the producers, they were the writers, they were just everybody throwing in. Wow. But before we get to all of that stuff, we would like to paint a little bit of the landscape of the era. We're in 1968, which is almost as early as we've been. I've only been earlier in these series with the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was nearly a decade, well, it was a decade before. But Christina, you have the box office, I believe, from 1968?
1: Yes, I do. And uh, would you like me to do the top 20 or the top? Uh, I just have about 28 top, here.
0: Let's just do the top 10 and let's do them from 10 upwards to one.
1: Okay, fine. But I do got to say number 21 is one of my favorite movies. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, you can
0: just, you can just throw I'll just that one throw in. i just throw that it?
1: one in, Barbarella. Ooh, oh, right, Phil. Right? You're
0: a Barbarella fan? Yes. Amazing. Oh,
1: wow. Okay, so it's we'll a do messed up movie. 10 and number 10 we're gonna start from the bottom right
0: yeah from 10
1: okay number 10 <laughs> say it again <laughs> number 10 we have night of the living dead oh, number 10. oh they yeah. just got
0: into our top 10 that's like <laughs> yeah
1: and then after that we have number nine planet of the apes
0: fantastic film mm. classic genuinely really good
1: film that, that original i really love it i haven't seen it so i can't comment <laughs> i <laughs> tried to watch <laughs> the new one though i had a screener for it and i couldn't do it oh the original though. Oh, really? the what the new
0: trilogy is really good as well but yeah the originals oh
1: great. yeah i figure i figured the original would be better okay and number eight rosemary's baby
0: Another great film. Mm-hmm. Man, I was wondering how many I was going to know off of this list from 1968, but yeah, so far, doing pretty well.
1: Number seven, Oliver.
0: Okay, Ooh. I'm out. I don't know. I, I don't I- know.
2: I don't know either. <laughs> what the original Oliver? Oliver Twist?
0: No, All Over.
2: All Over. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, I misheard you. I don't you. know. Did you
0: say All Over or Oliver?
2: Oliver. Oliver oh, exclamation Oliver. Oh, okay. mark.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, you're right. I can't yeah, see
1: yeah. the. It doesn't have a list of the actors in it, so I can't really.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that elaborate. is. Elaborate. Yeah, I, I remember that film. I remember.
1: And number that? six, um, I, I'm guessing this is. Well, is it the original? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Romeo and Juliet.
0: Yeah, is that'll that the very the first one, one? The song that I love. I love the song from that.
1: Mm.
3: Um,
0: which I would sing, but I'm not going to embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> I used to learn it on piano.
1: Okay, number five, Bullet. Oh,
0: wow. Steve McQueen. Yes, Steve oh, McQueen. Those are great films.
1: Mm-hmm, there are. Number four, The Odd Couple.
0: I've heard of this. I've never seen it. Uh, I don't think.
1: Jack Lemon and Walter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Like I could barely see it.
0: Classic. I don't know if I've seen it or not. not sure. Number three,
1: The Love Bug.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Do you, have you guys mm-hmm. seen that? I don't even know what it is. No, <laughs> I've, I know a
0: lot about it, but I've never, I've always refused to watch it. But it's
1: okay. Right, but <laughs> number two, Funny Girl.
4: Ooh. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know that one. You don't? No.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, know, I haven't seen it, but it has, um, but I've heard of it. I mean, of course, I, I think it's a it's super famous film. It, Barbara Streisand. Oh, it? Yeah. okay. And number one is. 2001, A Space oh, Odyssey. Oh, wow.
0: So we're heavy into sci-fi stuff already yeah. in the 60s. I always think yeah. of the 70s as like the sci-fi era, but Planet of right, the Apes, yeah. 2001. Barbarella. Big Barbarella. Yeah.
1: And, I oh. mean, uh, Rosemary Baby is a horror movie too, right? Mm. Yeah,
0: that is a proper genre movie, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a real horror movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so speaking of horror movies, Haruka, do you have a list of some, yes. just some of the horror movies in 1968?
2: There's 11 on my list. But shall I just Excellent. read them all?
0: Please do.
2: Okay. So we've got Witchfinder General.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, Twisted Nerve. And then Queen of the Vampires. Mm. Uh, um, Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Astrozombies. That sounds cool.
1: Ooh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll watch that. Um, Blood Beast <laughs> Terror. Okay. Interesting. Uh, curse of the crimson altar Ooh, that sounds cool yeah it does man <laughs> <laughs> um okay the next one sounds cool dracula has risen from the grave that's quite descriptive you know what to expect going <laughs> yeah, into that one. exactly fangs of the living dead is that related to uh no oh, no no okay. absolutely not uh knights of the werewolf and kong okay. island
0: so you put you put Fangs of the Living Dead and Night of the Werewolf together and you get Night of the Living Dead or mm, Fangs yeah. of the Werewolf. Mm.
1: I think Which in it 1968, worked. they had a lot better titles than now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> says sure. a lot about
0: you, Christina. <laughs> yeah, normally when you go through the horror list of the year, I'm going to be talking about each film, but I can safely say I haven't seen any of those films. I know The Witch, well, I've seen Rose movies, Baby, mm-hmm. and I know The Witch, Finder, a General is a fairly acclaimed film, but I haven't seen it. Um, But yeah, it's good just to get a landscape of stuff there. Like there are already talk of zombies. So a lot of people talk about this movie as the first ever zombie movie and what sculpted what modern zombies are.
1: That's what I was going to ask you is I I was wondering that while I was watching that, you know, I mean, watching it. That's what I was wondering. Thank you.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, this, okay. Complicated history and a lot of lore. This is one of the most important films of all time, not just one of the most important horror films of all time. Uh, This film is in the Museum of Modern Art as part of its permanent collection and was put in there pretty early on because of its importance to film history. It's a very, very important film. It is studied in film schools. It did create a lot of the mythos of what we think of nowadays as zombies. Up until that point, there were zombie films, the word zombie was out there, Uh, but zombies were a very different thing. It was more to do with voodoo, Mm -hmm. It's more to do with mysticism and the original sort of, yeah, the original interpretation of what a zombie was. And this kind of created this this more stumbling zombie that, I mean, you notice they don't say the word brains in this at any point. They're just after eating any part of a human, mm-hmm. but they do establish shooting them in the head. Right. Is. That is definitely established. And a few other stuff that we'll get to as we go through the film.
2: Yeah, I read that it's the first zombie film technically that kind of, The cause of the zombification is like scientific as opposed to like, you know, occult and magic based. Like magic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: But we'll also get to what the cause is as well, because depending who you talk to on the crew, there are different interpretations. And I'm interested in you guys from watching it because I feel the film very much puts its feet in the ground on how these zombies came about. But uh, we'll
1: Mm -hmm. get there. Right. I do want to point out one thing before we get too far into it. In the beginning when it said, you know, restored, the film was restored by MoMA, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. But um, the funding came from, well, part of the funding came from the George Lucas Family Trust. Oh, Oh, did it really? I didn't notice that. And and also Celeste Bartos' fund for film preservation but i don't know someone else is. we don't care yeah, yeah, about yeah. but george lucas, but george is lucas he's following <laughs> us
3: well
0: noticed well done so that, that's your caveat you'll only be on podcasts where george lucas is involved <laughs> in some way. okay so first of all we always like to say our history was a series before we start a series that's why our first podcast is always the longest christina have What is your awareness of this film or any of the Dead films or George Romero himself? Have you seen any of them? Have you heard of them? What's the deal?
1: I've heard of them. I haven't seen any of them. And I know that they're cult classics. So. Okay. I was so really no- excited to
2: start watching them.
4: Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go.
2: I've heard of him. I've seen a couple of the remakes of the Dead series that came out in like late 2000, I think. Um, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen any of the original ones, I don't think.
0: Interesting. And you're a bit of a horror fan, Hukurani. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, so yeah,
2: I am, yeah.
0: That kind of surprises me that you've never... And it's kind of weird. There's quite a lot of people, I think, who know of Night of Living Dead mm-hmm. and Dawn of the Dead, in particular those first two, but have never actually seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, big horror fans sometimes, which, yeah, always surprised me. Christina, you're not necessarily no, a horror fan. No,
1: no, no. No, but so maybe like after this, would. I might be. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> The last couple of we'll years, I, I, you know, been opening up to it. So
0: now you're such a big Star Wars fan.
2: That's <laughs> just
1: that. So you I have an appreciation <laughs> for it now. You've been exactly. in quite a lot of exactly.
2: horror <laughs> films, haven't you? That's true. Yeah, that, that's horror, why the door has horror. opened to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I have actually a very, I've told this story once before on a regular podcast. If you head over to WearGeeks.com, weirdgeeks.com, then you can branch out to all of these franchises. But yeah, I've never told it on a franchise, I don't think. I have a very personal attachment to this film. I always wanted to be a film director from when I could speak, like very genuinely from when I was about three or four. I immediately knew I wanted to make film. I was quite passionate and snobby about film until I was in my 20s and then I started watching more fun films. I don't know why, but I was a real dick when I was a kid. I liked Dead Poet Society and Dances with Wolves and stuff like that. So, I'd always wanted to make movies. But when I was uh, trying to think, I think I was 16- I didn't watch horror. Horror terrified me, up until I was about sixteen or seventeen, and I wouldn't go anywhere near it. And I was boarding school, and I you'd share rooms with someone else. So me and my friend shared this room, and you weren't allowed. Uh, this is in the nineties, a long time ago, and you weren't allowed TVs or anything like that. So there was nowhere to watch stuff um, in your room. Even computers weren't really a thing that people had at that point, but some people did. So, I smuggled in this little tiny CRT TV, like, you know, those like boxy little TVs you'd put on a stool at the end (laughs) of your bed or whatever back then. I smuggled one in and I put it in my wardrobe and we'd get it out. Like once we thought the teachers had gone to sleep, we'd get it out to like watch stuff on TV and watch movies and stuff. And I even had a little VHS I eventually smuggled in and the teachers would catch us with it and I'd pretend it was like a monitor for a computer because no one was sophisticated enough at that point
3: (laughs) for people to understand
0: And one night, you'd have to like, it was really weird as well, you'd have to like have headphones in, but then you'd be scared because you couldn't hear. And the teachers would patrol up and down the corridors and stuff to like check for noises or disturbances that were going on. So one night we had the TV in, we had waited till like the rotation of the security sort of guards had like gone. And we turned on the TV and you'd just watch whatever was on. And it was like a midnight movie and it was showing George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And I remember when it started, and I was sitting there with my friend. We had a headphones on, watching it, and it genuinely changed my entire life. Like watching this movie at that age, it changed everything how I felt about film. I was enveloped in this world that I'd never been in before, partly because of the age of the film. I wasn't really watching old films much as a kid; I was watching contemporary ones at the time. And the black and white visuals of it, the horror of it, which you know, still shocked in certain places, but obviously it was kind of cute in other places. And then really, and we will get to it when we get to it, but really the ending of the film completely fucked me up in this way that I was madly in love with. And I suddenly realised that here's this entire genre of film that I had been ignoring, as I think maybe you should until you're 16 or whatever, but i have been ignoring the horror films and I suddenly realised here was a genre of film that could do anything. Like these horror films, you didn't know where they were going to go. You didn't know what the ending was going to be. They were brave enough to break all the rules and do interesting indie guerrilla filmmaking, put cameras in strange places, like do camera movement in strange places, have people like really push the acting out and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And then do endings that were shocking. And that was so exciting to me as mm. a teenager. And this was the film that I learned that from. And after this film, I became enamored to horror and couldn't stop watching it. I ate up everything. Um, I lived by myself after that when I was 17 and I started watching every horror franchise <laughs> I could get my hands on. But this was the film that, that taught me uh, my passion for horror that I still have to this day. Because it is the genre that you can do the most risks in, uh, in film. And I found it tremendously exciting. Um, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to cover this series, to be honest, to see how it stands up for people who have never seen it. Because we're a long way away from when this was started. Mm-hmm. We're now, what are we on the, uh, we're on 50 years. Yeah, I
2: think it It said 50 years anniversary last year. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's crazy, Mm -hmm. crazy. But how did it begin? So, again, bear with me, but this is an interesting story, I think, anyway. So, in 1963, George Romero began a company called The Latent Image. Now, he had been hanging out with his friends, a whole bunch of friends, making little sort of movie projects together. Uh, with 8 millimeter cameras and stuff and some 16 as well. They're in Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh had never had a feature film made at this point. So, they just started this company and decided, hey, we're just going to make commercials. They were working for a famous kids presenter there at the time as well. And every time they did one to them, it was like, we get to make a movie with each of these commercials. So, they gradually saved up money. And there were 10 of them overall. They would just goof around all the time and have fun. He still claimed that he shot more film with latent image than all of his feature films combined. Like They were shooting so much stuff during that period because Pittsburgh didn't have many production companies. So, they learned a lot. They didn't know anything when they started. They just pretended to and then learned on the jobs and other people's money. And they saved up money to basically buy a 35mm media camera and some equipment and some lights and stuff like that and gradually build their technical knowledge. And they all pretty much had the same expertise. They all knew as much as each other, to be honest. Now George was about 27 years old when they all decided, you know what, we should all make our own feature film now. We've got the equipment. And they were brave and stupid kids. And they just decided, look, we don't even need money. Let's just go to some of the investors who've been doing commercials with us. We each throw in $600 ourselves as well, which to nowadays with inflation is about $4,500 <sighs> uh, they each threw in. So, they had 50000 basically together in, in cash and all the equipment that they already needed. They needed a script, though. <laughs> so George was actually he had written a script that he couldn't get funding for. It was this very sort of artsy, artsy sort of drama. So they all decided, all right, let's do something a small genre that makes money. Horror films always make money, even in the sixties. Horror films always wow. established, always making money. So let's do a horror film. So his friend Joe Russo, who is not given enough credit for the Night of the Living Dead, it's always seen as Romero's franchise. Um, He was his friend and business partner. He had written a pitch about flesh-eating aliens that were coming to Earth. And he always thought it should begin in a graveyard because people find graveyards scary. That's literally his (laughs) thinking. George, meanwhile, was madly in love. He had just read uh, I Am Legend, the book. Mm -hmm. And he was madly in love with it. And he very much felt it was a great commentary of the time in the 60s of revolution. And you have to remember in the 60s, you were 10 years. By the time this film started being made, they were 10 years into the Vietnam War. And the Vietnam War was going to continue for another 10 years. So, they were right in the middle of it. There was a lot of revolution happening. So, he came up with his own short treatment, which he admits very openly, he stole from I Am Legend. And then he worked with Joe and he basically took Joe Russo's idea and created the opening of Night of Living Dead, taking that graveyard idea. And everyone loved his opening. They loved the idea of the, the pursuer just chasing this girl. But he didn't know why the creatures were attacking he didn't know what they were trying to do so joe russo said well you should have my idea then they're flesh eating like why don't you have them they want to eat the flesh and joe russo wanted it to be that they got their powers from space somehow because he was really into his sci-fi <laughs> space stuff whereas george romero wasn't really interested in that for george it was always just i don't care the reason for why they're doing what they're doing doesn't matter all that matters is that the character is stuck in this nightmare situation. And he was very much more interested in the social commentary you could do and just the tension he could build. And he wasn't necessarily going to be the director either. They had 10 of them and they had to fight about it. They really fought for who was going to do which job because they all pretty much knew how to do each other's job as well as each other. So, it took a while and eventually he did sell as a director. And like I said, all the producers pretty much came in and worked on the film as actors, some of the lead actors as well, like Johnny, the guy from the beginning. He's one of the main producers who run the company. Even the father that we're going to see later, he's one of the main people as well in their group. Oh. Most of the people here were pe- just a bunch of friends. And that's what I mean. There were 16 of them who made this film on the crew.
1: Wow. And a
0: lot of them were most of the actors as well.
1: That's pretty cool. Mm.
0: It's really Man. cool. It's one of those, like, inspiring stories. If you're young enough, I'm too old to be inspired. But it's one of those, <laughs> like... If you're young, it's inspiring. But it is a different time now. They wanted to make as bullsy a horror film as possible. They also had some help from George's uncle. He put in a little bit of money. So, they found a farmhouse that was going to be torn down. And they just said, let's set it here. And they just wanted to get shooting because they were just excited. They didn't have a full script yet. So, as they were shooting, they kept changing stuff. They kept developing characters and building on stuff. They cast Barbara uh, pretty early on. She was actually a Pittsburgh girl that one of them knew who had moved out to LA um, just before. And then suddenly she got phoned up and said, you need to come back to Pittsburgh because we want you to be in this movie. And yeah, they then cast Dwayne. And there's a lot of talk, obviously, as I'm sure you're both going to talk about, and we will talk about it, about the balance of white and black in this film and the actions that happen and how progressive that might be for Mm -hmm. the time.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. It, It was never their intention. To ha- care about what color uh, their lead actor was, they just wanted the best person for the job mm. when they had him in uh, for an audition, they fell in love with him as a person um, as well as an actor. He was a very, very gentle soul. he wasn't happy with any of the violent things he had to do in the Aww. film <laughs> He says he still he talked about the film very sadly, he passed away uh, numerous years ago, but he yeah spoke about how the worst thing that happened on set was that a moth was killed one day and it upset him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And the lead character was originally meant to be pretty angry and he kind of advised them to change that once they did cast him because he said, well, look, I'm a, I'm a black guy in sixties America. I don't want to be an angry black man in sixties America. And he was also scared of all the stuff that they had him doing in there. He's hitting a white lady. Mm-hmm. He is punching a white man. He is then shooting a white man. But George said, look, why would we care? Why would we change that? Surely the whole point is we don't change it no matter what color you are. And he said, no, because of what color I am, you have to change it. But they didn't want to. They refused to change it depending on what color he was. They said, look, it shouldn't matter. Uh, we- this is a story that we want. We're not making a political message with this. But inadvertently... They obviously did make a political message with that. And then you have people like, sorry, yeah, like the father and the mother, Helen and Mr. Cooper, they were actually also doing the makeup on the film. They also did the audio (laughs) on the film.
1: Wow. (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) John Russo himself, who wrote it, he was a zombie on it. Most of their investors and family members were zombies. (laughs) (laughs) Vince Avinski, he was an investor and a production director and an actor on the film and they were throwing in so much they would get to the house and then there was like a river like a brook between them and the house so he with his own hands went out and built a bridge that it could drive the cars over to <laughs> then just get back and forth from the house yeah. wow manager russo he was an actor on it he was an investor and a lighting person as well <laughs> him and bill hinsman would do things like they were the two people who set themselves on fire and they just offered to set themselves on fire and when george said but what happens if you get in If it hurts, he says, well, we'll roll on the grass if we get hot.
3: (laughs) So,
4: that's what they would do.
0: This is all stuff you'd never get away with doing now. No. (laughs) But it was a great – and even at the time, this didn't happen. Indie cinema didn't happen in 1967, 1968. Mm -hmm. This was really maverick stuff where they were just like, we don't care. We have the equipment. We just want to go make a movie. Mm -hmm. And they just went and did it. And yeah, it changed so much stuff with films and created something that hopefully is going to make an interesting discussion. But let's get into the film. We can talk about anything else as we go through it, particularly when we get to the end. There's quite a lot to be talked about distribution. There's one very famous thing about this film, which is very tragic, to be honest, and we'll be getting there at the end. So... We begin the movie, and I was surprised even watching this for like the 25th time because I haven't seen it in a while. And there's this beautiful new Criterion edition that I know we all watched it on, which is beautiful. They got the original prints, done a nice new transfer. Four by three frame. It's not in widescreen.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Which shocked me because even, you know, in the 60s, films were shot in widescreen. Uh-huh. But they didn't have much money. They were using the print that they could get. And this film, we should say, is in black and white if you haven't seen it and you're thinking about watching it most films at this time were not in black and white. Most were in colour. You shot in black and white if you had no money. So, it does make this film feel older than it is, Mm. I feel, because it's in black and white. Uh, But we start with these classic opening shots for this movie, which are very famous. They're these wide shots of a car that's heading through rural Midwest Pittsburgh. As we get the title, music comes straight in. It's very patient, this opening. I have a great affinity with this because it's just like setting the mood immediately. It feels like a midnight movie to me, but that is because it's maybe how I first saw it. How does it feel to you do coming to it for the first time?
1: I I thought it was really beautiful. I I loved the black and white. I haven't seen, actually, I haven't watched many black and white movies. I haven't watched many old movies. So I I was really interested to see how I would um, take to it. And I thought it was really beautiful. And I, and also the shots were really beautiful. So From the beginning, I was got excited
2: about it. That's great. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I'm glad it's like yeah. I'm glad it still appeals to new people. Haruka.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree. It was uh, very beautiful, and I love the music from the get go. And I thought they kind of (laughs) built the suspense quite well because it didn't feel like you know the beginning didn't feel like a horror film, but also it has also has something about it that was quite sinister. And I can't really mm. put my finger on it, but... It's
0: not the spacey music that's going to...
2: Possibly. Because
0: <laughs> the shots don't look horror, but the music for me really is. like yeah, the music. yeah. It feels very space horror mm. kind
2: of thing. It was beautiful. It was really cool.
0: So I said earlier there were over 13 people who did the music for this film. Do you want to guess how or why?
1: No, just tell us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because they couldn't afford anyone to do the music for this film so all they would do is use pre-existing royalty-free music
1: oh wow Um, so
0: everything on here is a patchwork of music that basically they didn't have to pay anything for because it already existed
1: well they did a great job with it yeah of picking
0: yes yes I um, once you know that and you go back and watch it, you'll notice there are very different styles that come mm-hmm. in and out with the music. And there are a couple of places where it's kind of seems odd. It's like, oh, okay. You think here it would be more adrenaline, but instead it's kind of chilled. Right. But it kind of works mm-hmm. in this weird, messy way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a very, very, uh, like that just wouldn't happen nowadays.
3: Mm. So it's a very
2: strange, <laughs> very
0: strange I mean, thing.
2: like one of my main notes was that I really liked the music in the film. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, just quite surprising to know that you know it's by you know uh, royalty pre-existing yeah. stuff
0: nothing written for the film mm-hmm. at least but it is one of the reasons why it gives the film some grandeur like there's some big sort of band music that come and i don't mean in a big band sort of way but i mean like there's full orchestral moments in this film that seem very classic cinema and they couldn't have afforded for that to happen at all so it's the only way they could get that like larger larger soundscape you know but yeah I think it was the right thing to do, but a hey, interesting decision. Uh, we get a very short credit sequence because there are not many people on this film, <laughs> and then we're introduced to Johnny and Barbara. So they're travelling to a graveyard that is apparently three hours away from where they live. <laughs> so they,
1: they <laughs> only three six- <laughs> hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
0: <that's> the Midwest <laughs> to come visit what we gradually sort of establish is their dad. Yes. Because their mother is now too sick to visit, uh, to put flowers on the grave mm-hmm. of their dad. That they so don't they really do remember. Yeah. They don't seem to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at least, and Johnny definitely doesn't seem to give a shit.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think, this is my first time watching it where it suddenly occurred to me, do you think there was a bad relationship with Johnny and his father? Because he's the older one.
1: Well, I was really confused from the beginning. I thought like, oh, is that, are they husband and wife? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And is it like their gr- like like Johnny's grandpa? But then I realised later yep. the real deal. But it was a little confusing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I, I don't know. I just guessed that he died when they were young.
0: Yeah, I have to say this is, I yeah. feel like I, said, I watched it so many times this is the first time where I really cared about who it was they were visiting. I think every time before I presumed it was like some relative, but I don't really care because you move on so quickly from yeah. it. Yeah. But this is the first time I was like, oh, okay, it's definitely their father. Mm
3: -hmm. It is.
0: And yeah, Johnny seems, because he's kind of like a weird nerdy rebel. It's like, he seems like a cool kid, but he looks like a nerd.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think he looks cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Again, that says a lot about you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm immediately liking a lot of the shots here, because it is kind of like you're saying, it feels beautiful in a classical kind of way at Mm -hmm. this point. They're not going handheld. It's all very just sort of, simple old-fashioned storytelling and what i really love is as soon as he gets out of the car the radio station comes back on and says we're coming Mm -hmm. back on the air after technical problems and you immediate i love that it's just it's already happening like whatever's going on out there it's already happening when we start this movie they just don't know about it yet Mm -hmm. Um, which i think is cool i love his gloves
1: too (laughs) right his style is great (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> they yeah, they've become pretty famous now. People Oh have they? People wear his gloves. Yeah, oh. yeah. People dress up as these two characters. Cool, <laughs> that's cool. And his gloves are definitely a thing. <laughs> uh, whereas Barbara's like very prim and proper. Like she seems like a sweet a sweet Midwest girl. <sighs> oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh Barb
0: I <laughs> <laughs> get the Barbara. <laughs> So, we're getting some thunder with no rain and no clouds, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> These are the things that you just That's accept, right. don't they, when you're yeah. giving them in a film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Whenever you're on a film shoot, I always find people get worried about certain stuff and you have to remember that no one cares. You tell them <laughs> something and they just eat it up. Yeah. They don't care. And then we get this sort of Frankenstein-looking figure, and that is really how people would have identified this first zombie at that time, Mm -hmm. is Frankenstein, because they didn't have zombies like this, and we were just coming out of a gothic era, lots of vampires. Yeah, some Frankenstein, some werewolves.
2: Frankenstein's monster.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Frankenstein monster. That's okay. Thank you. Forgiven. (laughs) (laughs) But that's definitely how you would have seen him, and he even does look a bit like him, this guy. He's got like the big forehead and- His movements are very Frankenstein-ish. Now, yeah, I immediately have a bit of a problem here, the acting between the two of them, because we have Barbara pretending to be scared and the very famous line from this film, which I know, Harika, you said you haven't heard of before, but Christina, have you ever heard that they're coming to get you, Barbara?
1: No, but I loved it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, that's good. That's good.
0: And And then afterwards I saw a
1: meme of it, so I was like, yeah, yeah
0: yeah 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 <laughs> and they throw us straight into it yeah we get this tiny bit of exposition at the beginning and then we are thrown straight in this frankenstein mm-hmm. dude is grabbing barbara by the chest at first i noticed this time they <laughs> cut from that very quickly he like <laughs> reaches right out for her boobs and then they cut um and then johnny tackles him and they get into a scuffle and she just stands there doing nothing which is going to become a repeating <laughs> repeating phrase
3: <laughs> for most oh my of this god
0: movie. yeah And then Johnny gets his head knocked into a gravestone. So what I want to know is, did you both get from this that Johnny is dead?
1: I got from it that he was down for the count and that he was going to be eaten by a zombie. That He probably didn't
2: die from the blow, but he was going to be dead. Well, I thought he died from it, but then it got a bit confusing after because, you know, he comes back later in the film as one of the zombies and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so he probably died of brain damage, but a knot to the head isn't enough to, like, not be reanimated.
3: Oh, you know, interesting. Because
2: mm,
3: yeah, Cause
0: but, they, say, they say the law later is that the brain, yeah. or they think anyway. I mean, again, they don't know, but mm-hmm. they think they're the brain. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I always have a problem with the sound design here. I need a bigger yes, noise. that's what I
1: thought, mm-hmm. too. Like... They could have used the sound for that had, mm-hmm. head bang, smash. Yeah, it's
0: very soft. Knock. It just sounds like he fell on a pillow. Kind of <laughs> but then Barbara starts fleeing with the zombie following and we're getting proper zombie walk already. But this, so people always say, okay, there are two eras of zombie. You've got the modern era, which really came about more with like 28 Days Later and that's like the infected. They are zombies that run and are feral animals. And then they have what they call the Romero zombies. And mm, Romero zombies mm. are stumbling slow things, which they are in a lot of this film, but not always. Mm. Like, it is surprising to see in this film, like, they're animated zombies. Like, this guy is coming after her at a pace, and she gets in this car, and he's, like, using a rock. He's picking up mm-hmm. implements to hit the hit the window with.
2: Yeah. Is it surprising
0: to either of you? Because it's not yes. normal zombie
2: activity. No, they're, they're they're, like, tool-wielding, you know, which is... So I, 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 then I was like, so they're not really dead; they're just infected. But then, you know, they are dead. So I was like, okay, dead zombies with brains because they also feel pain <laughs> as well, right? They seem well, they to feel don't the they? heat Cause like, from the fire, so they must. Yes. And there, there was one scene where they, like, one of them got hit in the face, and the guy kind of yeah. immediately covered his face with his hands, so it looked like he felt the pain. I was like, okay.
0: Or it mm. could be, which we're definitely going to get into when we get to Dawn, but it could be this thing that Romero's interested in, which is people doing things because they're used to doing them, basically. Uh. Like, you react like that because that's your inherent nature is to react like that, rather than you actually feel it.
2: Right. Um, and same but with it's the-
0: definitely unclear in this film. Yeah, she jumps into this car and she uses the handbrake to, like, get it to roll down the hill. Did you notice there's a weird edit when it, like, hits the tree? Because it kind of doesn't hit the tree, and then when it does it's like hasn't barely touched it and it's all wrecked kind
1: of thing <laughs> no i didn't notice i did it but i didn't notice that she was putting her arms up against the window when he was banging on it <laughs> and I'm Like, I'm what yeah. is that gonna do and then when he went to the other side she didn't do the same thing you
0: yep. know yep uh, they, they sh- <laughs> yes i was wondering at this time as well she's like pushing back on it like yeah. it's a t-rex or something mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Like if her arms um, were going to hold the window together, <laughs> I don't know.
0: They, sh- they shot this over two days and the night, because it was still just using a friend's car, it got in an accident that night. So when it turned up the next day, it, it, it was wrecked on one oh side. Oh my <laughs> God. So Romero had to immediately rewrite it as, okay, she hits this tree, which for me works brilliantly because yeah. it just, you know, it keeps escalating and escalating mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Otherwise, presumably she would have driven to the house. I'm guessing in the original script. Not sure. <laughs> yeah. So then she flees from there, and we start to get some real handheld stuff here. We're getting real guerrilla f- filmmaking, which I appreciate. We've got like them driving backwards as she's running towards the camera screaming, and it's all like wobbly, and we've got like weird like angles. And then they're kind of juxtaposed with these really beautiful traditional shots when she sees the farmhouse in the distance, and it's really nicely framed. And I I don't think I've ever appreciated it before, but I think that is why, for me, this film works so well. It's because it does both. They show traditional filmmaking, and then they go crazy with sort of guerrilla handheld stuff as well. for
1: how guerrilla it is, it felt like really well put together. It didn't feel Mm. like a cheap, you know, dingy movie. It felt Mm -hmm. so, I don't know, it didn't bother, it it felt good, you know, Mm. it didn't bother me, it didn't pull me out of the movie at all. Ever, really.
0: Are you okay with the look of these zombies? You know, like, very simple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. I like the simplicity of the movie. But, uh, I mean, I think it helped that it was black and white for the zombie makeup and stuff, you know?
0: (laughs) Sure. They did colorized versions of it later, which are terrible to watch. Oh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't.
1: Why? Don't do that. (laughs)
0: Doesn't work at all. Haruka, you're a bit of a zombie fan. Were Mm -hmm. you okay with these guys? Or were they too simple for you? I
2: mean... In the beginning, I was like, okay, th- these aren't, they don't feel very threatening or dead, but I think they kind of grew on me after a <laughs> while because, you know, at the end of the day, they were the OG zombies. So, you know, I was like, mm. why not? Yeah, they, yeah, it, they were quite human-like, mm-hmm. Yeah, which was, it, I mean, I was like say, your friends I, I and was- <laughs> <laughs> investors. <laughs> I
1: was not scared ever mm-hmm.
0: okay <laughs> yeah not at any point that was one of the questions i had t- yeah to no ask for sure no it's like did any of it scare you at any point
1: no maybe because no. i watched it during the day but i don't know but okay. i was not scared at all
4: mm.
0: okay here we go were you scared at any point no okay
1: frustrated Doesn't maybe <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a lot. No,
0: that's interesting. What has been interesting, I've seen like there's a great documentary on this um, called Birth of the Living Dead, uh, which interviews many of the people. And they actually show this teacher in Pittsburgh who still shows the film to his kids. And it's really interesting to see modern kids who are still really scared by it. You see their reactions and they're like screaming and all terrified. <gasps> wow. and like, oh, wow, How old okay. are these kids? It's still pretty young. <laughs> yeah, pretty like young. <laughs> five? <laughs> like seven or eight or nine, I think. Oh, yeah, it's that kind of pretty age. young. Mm. Yeah. It's hard with this kind of thing, because with an old film, you think, oh, well, kids are all right with this, because it's an old film. But to them, their imagination fills in all the gaps, so mm-hmm. it's still scary. Yeah. But anyway, she gets to the farmhouse. She gets inside, locks the door. Thunder's still rumbling outside, with still no sign of rain. I'm waiting for <laughs> the rain to come. It does not come. And she's in the house that's got evidence of a fight or something. So we're going to see later, or in a second, that there is a dead body upstairs with ping-pong balls as eyes.
1: <laughs> this dead body. <laughs> Literally
0: ping
3: pong
1: balls is high <laughs> it really christina
0: yeah he used ping <laughs> pong balls and this is just joel Romero. he just like he made that head with me
1: wow <laughs> but i mean did any of you guys wonder why that body never came back to life because throughout the whole film like oh my god that thing is gonna pop up it's gonna get them or why aren't they going out there to go when they find out from the tv why aren't they throwing that body out the window Or setting Mm -hmm. it on fire or shooting it in the head. Like, it's like that body's never again Mm -hmm. thought of.
0: You're absolutely (laughs) correct. If you, I don't think I even thought about it the first couple times I saw it because I didn't care. But later on, I was like, that? body is the perfect ticking yes, yeah for the film like that is the extra tension that you should be building on yeah and it's right they've written it in but they weren't smart enough writers to know what to do with it
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's I just thought, a cheap scare. It, and the perfect timing was when that the husband was up there throwing the fire bombs mm-hmm. yes. oh he's gonna get it he's gonna get it
0: no <laughs> nobody got it <sighs> You're absolutely right because, yeah, they make they make a comment which allows you to realize, okay, this is why the makeup's so simple. is because they do have the throwaway line of it's the recent dead who are coming back. Mm-hmm. So, they wouldn't really have had time to decay or anything yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but that is a recently dead body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> it should come back. Does not, yeah. But so they're making it all up as they go along pretty much. That's true. Much. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We get some weird big scare music with shots of deer heads, which is,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> they really want to freak you out with those. I reason.
1: know, but she didn't scream, which is funny. Like no. they make it seem like, oh my God, but she doesn't really do anything.
0: And then I don't know if you noticed, but it's suddenly nighttime.
1: Yes, I did notice yeah. that. <laughs> All of a sudden.
0: <laughs> From one shot to the next, it is pitch black. Something <laughs> and we've got a bunch of other zombies. Our first look at some other ones that are turning up to join the first one. Presumably because of the racket, I don't know. Or you send out a text. Not sure.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then she goes fleeing out the house when she sees that corpse upstairs and runs straight into. I love how they introduce this. It's like the car headlights are so bright. You can't see anything else. And then Ben turns up and pushes yeah, her inside great. and locks mm-hmm. the door. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. I love. I just. I love his character. I, I love think so much him. more love for this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's
1: great. Yeah, he was really he's, great.
0: He's so patient with her immediately. I know. He does, he's not expecting her to talk back much. Like when he can see she's clearly upset, and
1: when she does, um, she gets smacked. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, well, yeah. There's plenty of smacking in this film. <laughs> he's telling her, like, you know, don't worry. I can handle one zombie, but when you know when there'll be a lot of them, then it's going to be difficult. He says, "There's a gas pump outside." But Barbara's just basically gone mute at this point. (laughs) Barbara. (laughs) Oh, Bob. Oh,
3: Barbara. So, this wasn't
0: in the script, okay? So, Barbara was meant to be a confident and powerful woman in this film. What? That's how she was written. Now, when she turned up and started acting, she was at first meant to be shocked. And she did such a great job with that that they kept developing her character as they were filming. And there's great interviews with her. She's a lovely lady, the actress. Like, she did this wonderful interview recently. And she's- She's saying how, yeah, we developed it slowly throughout the film. And they became enamored with her being in this catatonic state.
1: Yeah, I mean, she did it really well. they decided to keep
0: her in it. (laughs) Well, she gives a lot to it. Yeah, (laughs) she
1: does. I mean, (laughs) I thought like that, that's kind of hard, you know. Mm. I mean, she was like, how how do you gauge like how, what is good and what is bad? I don't know.
0: Yes. (laughs) You know. So I watched this film with Taruka and we both afterwards were saying like she feels so over the top, mm-hmm. but I was saying there's so much that goes into that. I think partly yeah. the acting, but partly the music and then the camera angles they use with her when she's like in that state. And make she, it feel more over the top, you know?
1: She's very physical too, with it, like just touching everything, <laughs> grabbing oh, everything yeah. and throwing herself <laughs> at everything and
0: Yeah. But I do <laughs> you know like what I, mean? I mean I do like, like you don't in horror films, for the most part, the, real, the leads would be in a catatonic state. Like, that's how they would actually be. And we never really get to see that in horror films. So I do appreciate that they try and deal with the reality of these situations. Unfortunately, it doesn't always make for great viewing, mm. you know? <laughs> but luckily, Ben is super active. Right, so he thank kind God. of makes up for her. So yeah, he sees the body upstairs, tells her his initial thing is we've got to get out of here and find people. Like that's his initial thing. And he says, Let's just get some food and then we'll get out of here. Uh while Barbara's just wandering around, like letting blood drip on (laughs) her hand.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, and getting like two pieces of wood, like the smallest wood that she could find. Jeez
2: Uh (laughs) Caressing her knife. (laughs) Scary part of the film, actually, her just like walking around Running doing, with the yeah, bike. it's so dangerous.
0: <laughs> yeah, she should not run with scissors. That lady, no matter her fucking blade, it's a bad idea. <laughs> oh
1: man.
0: Yeah, so the zombies are battering Ben's car outside, and he just goes outside, just kicking their fucking asses, which I love. He's just like, no, I can handle this already. And it paints this rich story immediately for me of okay, people have already been dealing with this for a while, like. Outside this perimeter, mm-hmm. like people know how to deal with this straight away, and I like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: While Barbara is literally just crying, <laughs> waiting for him, <laughs> and then he saves her from another zombie. Yeah, that's when she's sitting on the sofa, and there's a zombie approaching behind her, and she's just like wailing tears.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then, yeah, he gets them out, and then he says, They know we're in here now, which seems to change his mind. And then he drags the dead body outside. There are a bunch more zombies turns up, and he sets it on fire immediately. Now, this is before they're saying on the news to cremate the bodies. Mm-hmm. But he does say later on he's learned that the zombies are scared of fire. Yeah. Mm. So, do you think that's what he's doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think he okay. just knows- I think he thinks that's just a way to kill them, not that- I don't think he realizes that they really come back to life yet. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He just knows fire seems to repel them and that's yeah, all he yeah,
1: knows. Yeah, him. yeah,
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then he only loses it with her verse, split second and then he immediately gets calm again which i like he's like really trying his best
3: but it
1: was just so funny because he does this like a big old monologue about like the experience that he had with this like you know whatever zombie fest and then she goes into her whole monologue about her experience with the zombie <laughs> yeah. fest and he's just not having it like no
0: <laughs> he looks so bored
1: yeah like no stop like, stop. Right, stop i don't want to listen woman. to you no i don't want to hear this story no no
0: (laughs) it's really true and it pains me this is the first time i really saw it that way like the other times i've watched it so my favorite bit in this movie is his story yeah um and the very first script i ever wrote was called the dark and it was about his story Mm -hmm. which was completely stupid because what i love about this moment is the story so he tells a story about okay i've just been at near this diner i found this truck I jumped in to listen to the radio when a big gasoline truck came like careening across the road. It had 10 or 15 of these things grabbing onto it. Uh, It went through the guardrail and fired a man inside screaming. And then he saw a zombie backing away from it because of the fire. And he looked back at the diner and saw the entire place had been encircled by 50 or 60 of the zombies uh, standing there. And then they all just turned and stared at him and they don't even like move. And so, he just drove through them and he's like, they didn't even move. They didn't run and I'm driving through dozens of these things. And it's such a big budget story. It's a scene (laughs) that would cost so much money to do. There's no possible way they could have done it. But his acting of this, for me, his diatribe here is so well delivered and so natural. And it paints this evocative story that is like making the world so big. But without having to spend any money on showing the world being bigger, he's just literally telling us this story. Mm -hmm. It's the reason I fell in love with this movie the first time I watched it. So, I based my first screenplay, I was like, well, I want to tell that story. I want to tell the story of what happened to him. But with these other people in the diner, I was going to tell the story of the people in the diner and he's kind of there as a cameo, basically. Which spoils the whole point because the whole point of it is you don't see it, which I like. And then, like you say, she tells her story and he's just immediately just, like, rolling his <laughs>
1: eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> that like, would no. be a great a sequel, you know? It's like the prequel. Mm.
0: Well, we could do it. You could do it. But I'll explain it. why at the end. I'll explain why, <laughs> why at the end. Yeah, he's just, like, rolling out his eyes, like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, like, banging the
1: Mm. the fucking four by four on the door, (laughs) just, like, all of a sudden he's, like, super still telling his story. And then when she starts talking, he gets up and starts making all this noise and, like, doing all this shit. (laughs) It's
4: like
0: she's so upset because her brother died. Oh, my God. (laughs) so he's decided now that they have to stay in like he's changed pretty quickly well because there's more because he's like oh i "I
1: can only i could if there's a couple i could fight them off but now there's like more than a couple so he's Mm. like fuck and didn't they like smash his truck or oh smash did they smash the lights on his truck
0: yeah they take out the lights Mm. i think maybe the implications meant to be that they destroyed the truck but they didn't want to actually destroy a truck because
1: because they needed it they didn't have the money (laughs) to
0: to go and get food (laughs) runs This is where we get the first slap of the film. She grabs Ben, determined to get uh, Johnny. She suddenly realizes, oh Johnny. Johnny's still out there. We've gotta wait for Johnny. We've gotta go find Johnny. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so she fights him and slaps him. So to be fair, she slaps him first. Yes, she does. But he doesn't slap her back. He punches her in the
1: face. Was that a punch? Yeah, because those were knuckle marks.
0: That was a fucking punch in the face. I was
1: actually shot. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> were you guys shocked
0: <laughs> what's weird is that this was a big moment in cinema history now it's hard for people to know exactly i've tried to look it up I've watched so many documentaries this is seen as one of the first times that a black man punches wow. a white woman in cinema wow uh maybe the first time ever however it's not as shocking to the era then as what we're going to see later because i feel it's different now now punching a woman on the screen would be taken worse than punching another man on screen no matter what color or race you are mm-hmm. but at that time slapping a woman wasn't as bad as a black man slapping a white man wow in the face. Oh,
1: that's fucked up
2: <laughs> it's messed up
1: but wait in 2018 were like you know were you shocked when he slapped slash punched her i just didn't think that was gonna happen not because he was black I, or anything. Just like in the watching the film, I wasn't. I was surprised that. That, that I was just surprised.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" Didn't see that one coming.
1: Yeah,
0: it was
2: okay, quite pretty a good way or a bad way. Uh, like, I don't know. It was because because when I started watching the film, I was quite excited that the lead character is a black male, and I thought mm-hmm. that was you know re really progressive and cool. And then he you know slapped the woman. And then I was like, okay, so this is a good film for, you know, in terms of ethnic or colorblind mm-hmm. casting or whatever, but then not so mm. progressive in terms of violence against women. Mm-hmm. Well, there's
0: been a lot said about it. Yeah, that it's very progressive, like you say, for colorblind casting, mm-hmm. but not for how it treats women.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: However, no, most the of that women is to do with how movie, it writes. Poor women yeah. in that
4: movie.
0: Most of it's how it writes women and how women's yeah. ideas normally go wrong in this film. And less to do with the violence towards them. But it is a factor. For me, I love it. Like, I love all of the stuff in here because it doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this film doesn't give a shit what color you are, what sex you are. People treat each other how people treat each other in these mm-hmm. situations. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it's an old film with this stuff happening, sure, that feels more shocking. And then what it immediately does for me as a modern viewer is like, well, I don't know where this film's going to go now.
1: Yeah, like, I it- didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is for a horror film- Everything you want your yeah. audience to feel—it's mm-hmm. like I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and let's be honest, she deserved a slap at least. Maybe punch her face <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: maybe punch her. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm glad he let her slap him first. First. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> she got off quite lightly, uh, if anything. But yeah. he, you know. I, I mean, he just put for her, her own he...
0: safety, she needs to snap out. Yeah, yeah. she
2: really
1: did, though. I mean.
0: But he punches her so hard that she blacks out. Yeah. That's maybe not I mean, at least he put
1: her on the couch and opened up her trench coat (laughs) so she could cool off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for a split second, I was like, hang on. Because he puts her on the couch and then he opens up her clothes. I'm like, wait a second. Where's this going? I know. I thought it was a
1: little weird. But then I was like, well, I guess she like the way I justified it was like, well, she was saying she was hot earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's cooling her down. (laughs) Cooling her down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he is definitely not. There is no flirting anywhere no, in this world, no, which I appreciate. There's no. no chemistry, really, in a romantic way. Mm-hmm. And in a <laughs> bad ways as well, when we get to the couples line. I died.: Ben turns on the radio, which really you think would be the first thing they all should have done anyway, but, um, and takes a little listen. We get our first proper information. There's an epidemic of mass murder taking place everywhere with no apparent reason for the murders. The president has called a meeting with high-ranking scientists, including some from the Space Association. All this stuff I love. I love the radio and TV stuff. I love painting this picture of a big world outside this little house.
1: Mm-hmm. I love I the find. TV stuff. Mm. It's great. God, right? it was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great stories. It was so
0: genuine. It and did. these are just like, these are real reporters and real friends and real policemen. Like, real policemen just turned up and let them use their dogs and their cars and wow. all that
1: stuff. Yeah, it felt so cool. It really mm. worked really well.
0: I love it. And I think it's what I want more from these little films is like, sure, do it all in one little location, but paint the world outside in other ways, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah,
1: they did a great job.
0: Uh, more zombies, meanwhile, are gathering outside, so Ben starts a fire, I mean, uses ghouls. it to make a torch. <laughs> <laughs> ghouls. <Ow>. sorry. Ghouls. <laughs> ghouls was an N-word at the time, for sure. <laughs> he then goes outside, sits a sofa chair on fire. This was one of the few accidents that they actually had. They accidentally set um, some other things on fire when they did this. Became <laughs> <It laughs> a bit of a problem.
1: <laughs> I thought he was I like, "Oh, how you... that house is going to catch on fire." Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yeah, but... don't even notice. But the moment he opens the door to push the sofa out, it's broad daylight outside. But for like a split second, they cut away from <laughs> it very quickly. So yeah, Ben's moving things, and this is the moment. And I love this because you just get into that point where you're like, all right, I get an idea for what's going to happen in this movie. And then the camera lingers as he's moving stuff and we see there's a door mm-hmm. that no one's noticed yet that we don't know yet, but it goes down to the basement that's suddenly revealed. And then Barbara wakes up to the radio telling people to stay indoors at all cost um, and saying that it all began two days ago.
3: How do they so not know? So, this isn't like a sudden thing. <laughs> you only did three a <laughs> three-hour <laughs> trip. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one of
0: those things you see on the radio of like, you know, some bad things have happened. There's some violence in the world. You're in a time of revolution again. Think about the time we're in, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been unheard of. Right. like there's a group of people causing violence in the cities or something.
1: Like today. Hmm.
0: Like today. Yeah.
1: -hmm.
0: Meanwhile, Ben's finding a rifle and then comes through to let her know we've all boarded up good now. So don't worry about it.
1: And and shoes (laughs) for her. Oh like yes. yeah. that he puts <laughs> what on what is that about wait, that, because she needs to cover her feet if she's going to run and escape but he puts them on her feet for her and then the next the next cut they're gone oh really she doesn't want those fucking shoes I mean I don't see them on her feet but unless they're just so <laughs> I don't know the camera's not picking it up but I don't know if they, I don't know you guys didn't notice that no
4: no
0: i didn't i just thought how weird it was that he brought her shoes and then tenderly kind of puts them on and her last Mm. memory of him is him punching her in the face (laughs) (laughs) but i guess that's how you make it up (laughs) it's like here's some shoes
2: (laughs) sorry for punching you but got you a nice pair of shoes
0: I love that while he's doing this and he's saying literally the words, we're boarded up, good now. The window behind him doesn't have a single board on it. Yeah,
1: there was a (laughs) lot of windows that didn't have any boards on Mm. it. It's
0: completely open and unguarded. It's fantastic. (laughs) Um, But he now seems to think they're in good shape. It's like we've got a gun, we've got food and water, we're boarded up, everything's going to be all right. And then the radio starts saying that murder victims have been partially devoured. So they're gradually like, bringing in the textures of the story and the rules which i really like you mm-hmm. get drip fed the information um they
1: did a good job explaining it at all through the end
0: but you two expecting like the rest of the movie is going to be these two
1: i knew something point? was going to i thought zombies were going to come out of that door
0: right right but you didn't necessarily think there's more humans going to turn up at any I, point i, I or, wasn't
1: sure yeah i didn't i didn't really think so i mean i would yeah. maybe but not at that door i, I really did think zombies were going to come out that door
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
2: No, I wasn't sh- I wasn't really thinking about that, but in hindsight, because like, you know, a lot of the classic zombie film formula is that, you know, you start off with one or two survivors and they mm-hmm. kind of group up with more people. Mm-hmm. So I guess this kind of set up the, that whole, you know. Just
0: creating the zombie formula.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because they then get a grown white man, Mr. Cooper, and a younger white guy <sighs> who appears from the cellar. feeling very much like they stepped right out of the 1950s to me like (laughs) there's a very different dynamic like barbara's annoying me a bit but she does feel like a character ben Mm -hmm. i'm loving and then these two turn up Mm -hmm. and they immediately feel like sore thumbs to me (laughs) like (laughs) very different acting styles very different kind of like I don't know, Phil. The young kid immediately feels like he, he's on a milk run or something from, you know, a <laughs> white picket <laughs> fence like America.
1: I liked him. I liked it. I liked him <laughs> coming you? in. But I did like I did really um the father's name, what's his name?
3: Mrs. Uh, Henry?
1: Yeah. yeah Is Henry it Henry? Cooper, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh God, I hated him. <laughs> I hated him. <laughs> did you hate him. his
0: character or did you hate the acting?
1: No, I hated his character. Okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. he really did it well. There's a thin so line much. with him,
0: I find. Like, I'm trying to decide the whole time do I hate his acting or do I hate the character? Because I definitely hate mm. the character, but I can't <laughs> decide with the acting. And Ben's immediately antagonistic to them because he's like, You didn't help when I was boarding up. Yeah. You didn't help when the girl was screaming.
1: Yeah. He's like pissed,
0: straight he really,
1: away. He really called them out. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. And <laughs> I mean, it shows later on too that, man, <laughs> Henry didn't change much, you know?
0: Well, here's the thing, because I've got written down the dialogue from this conversation, because it goes, a lot of the film now is going to be these two bickering about what is the best tactic. Yeah, it was
1: fucking annoying. mm, It was.
0: Again, it's probably real. This is probably what would happen in this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. But it's not always the best viewing experience. But basically, Ben is saying, look, I'm telling you, they can't get in here. Mr. Cooper says there'll be 10, 20, maybe 100 of them trying to get in. The cellar is the safest place. Ben says, well, if there's that many, then they'll probably get us wherever we are. The cellar is a death trap.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're now, both spoilers, right and they're both wrong. Well,
0: spoilers for the end of the movie, but what I love about this movie as well is Mr. Cooper's right. Like the dick is right. <laughs> if they all just got into the cellar, I
2: know.
1: they would have been
0: fine.
1: It's so mm. true. Yeah. I did. Strong- this movie did make me strongly hate some of the characters. So <laughs> I
0: thought you were about to say white people
1: <laughs> <laughs> and white people. <laughs> oh, just kidding. <laughs>
0: Uh. i'm the ethnic minority on this podcast so it's fine you can hate me I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well which characters well actually yeah, let's get to it till we introduce these next two because then we've got everybody all together and then we can talk about who we hate <laughs> 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 so yeah then we get like the zombies immediately start to try breaking in and we get what is next now a classic repeated scene which is zombie hands coming in through boarded windows this is the first <laughs> time you would have seen that they're cutting them at them with knives. George Romero made a clay hand that he laughs at now in interviews. He's like, I don't know what I was doing. I made a clay hand. It looks terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it works.
0: It kind of does. It? Yeah, it, looks it so does. stupid. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is one of those moments where the music is oddly really silent because it's mm. not made for the film, but it kind of mm. works.
1: Yeah, I um, was never thrown off by any of the music. I never, like, it never, it just, out it, of place, so. it
2: worked well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought that quiet music made it extra um, sinister, mm. yeah. I think, because it was quite, you know, weird and creepy that scene.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree.
2: Oh, and I did notice, I, I didn't say, like, in
1: more in the beginning when um Ben was bashing in their heads, you know, the first few. I liked it. It worked so well that they didn't show him actually making contact with their skulls yeah. that they just kind of, he goes just doing the motion and then you could see the aftermath and it, yeah. and that's probably with budget for a budget, but it works. It works so well. Sufficient you still got the, the vibe, you know, you yeah, I mean, it is happening. it's hard
0: to think about it now, but at the time this was an extremely violent movie. This was, as nasty as they came, which is weird wow. when you look back on it. It's kind of the same with Psycho was actually a very nasty movie at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was true horror. This was them pushing the boat out as far as they could. And when we get to the end of this review, I'll tell you some of the reviews it was given at the time. Uh, now it all seems quite quaint, but they were being as violent as they could, wow. obviously with the budget that they had. Yeah.
1: But it still felt, you know, that bashing still felt violent without the, without seeing all the goo. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then we get very clear. This is a really important scene, which I don't think I've really appreciated how important it is. But Ben shoots a zombie through the boards. Nothing mm-hmm. happens. He shoots it again. Nothing happens. Yeah. And then he shoots the head. Dead. And that's all that's, you need. Those yeah. three, sh- three shots are so important. And they really- set a formula for the rest of zombie history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but those gunshots have also and I, I think it's the gunshots i presume that's the modern correlation i'd have is the gunshots have drawn in a lot of zombies because a whole bunch of new zombies then start turning up I mean, including naked lady bottom um, i know that
1: one <laughs> naked lady girl <laughs> One. she was apparently a
0: local art student who was happy to get nude for them and they were oh. really surprised they're all still proud to this day that in that age they managed to get a girl to get naked for the film <laughs> but but they always say the captain was like yes she got fully nude but only from behind only from behind
1: you saw her titties too
0: you do see the boobs yeah
1: yeah Side and view. A
0: zombie that eats bugs
1: yeah oh yeah well it shows you that it likes it only eats living things
0: that is true mm-hmm. that is true that is actually and that zombie that eats the bug is actually the mother uh, who's inside the house
1: oh oh yeah and oh fact,
0: everyone's all over the place in this wow <laughs> while she's doing makeup and sound <laughs> and acting she's <laughs> and also in the in basement house. so yeah we get a very brave bit of writing here again it wasn't written depending on the color but coming from ben you get the hell down in the cellar you can be the boss down there i'm the boss up here which is really quite a big deal Uh, at that point in history. Mm -hmm. Then we find out that the kid, Tom, who's seeming like he agrees with Ben and thinks being upstairs is the best thing to do, he has a girlfriend called Judy. Oh, Me and Haruka called her Blondie. (laughs) Blondie 2.
2: Blondie Blondie number (laughs) 2. Judy, who likes to smile?
0: Oh, my (laughs) God, Judy.
2: Smiley
1: Judy. Smiley Judy. In all my
0: previous viewings of this film, I have never noticed how much I hate Judy.
1: yeah
0: so we have all right we've 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 well how Mr. Cooper goes down to the cellar he locks himself down there. we meet his wife and his daughter we see his, his wife is very sassy she's the only in my opinion well written female in this film and then she their is daughter better. is ill mm-hmm. and like laid out and she's giving him good stuff like he's all like grumpy he's throwing his cigarettes on the floor and then turning around <laughs> looking for her to react and she doesn't so he doesn't know what to do <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh god
0: (laughs) and then he's like wait they'll see they'll see when they need to come down here and she's like that's important isn't it to be right and everyone else to be wrong
1: you really did feel Mm. the tension between those two and the hatred Mm. you really do it's like oh god that marriage is horrible Mm -hmm. yeah you really felt that they painted Mm. it so well
0: so we have all the characters so christina who are you hating
1: oh okay i i'm hating uh what's her name Judy I'm hating Judy But you know But it's, it's also A really good hate Because you hate her so much cause She's just like You just want to shake her <laughs> Slap her Punch her You do Oh how?
0: You mean Barbara Do you mean the original one
1: Barbara Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The original, yeah, the uh, ca- original Catatonic Barbara. one okay. Barbara Okay you're hating her so much because you just want her to wake up and do something. But it, it, it makes you love Ben so much because of the way she is. Because he's doing something constantly, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. They're so opposite of each other. They're, they're extremes. And then, uh, and then I hate I hate Henry so much. I hate <laughs> him the most. So. <laughs> oh, he just makes me so angry. <laughs> and that's it. I don't okay. really... I don't, I don't hate um, Milk Boy... I don't hate his girlfriend. <laughs> They're, you know.
0: Haruka, who are you hating?
2: The two blondes. <laughs> Barbara and Judy. So, yeah, Barb and Jude. They're so annoying. They were like, "Ah oh, man. So frustrating. But I didn't hate Henry, to be honest, because I was like, well, if I was in that situation, you know, maybe I would want to take all the food to the basement and lock myself in He's there. So with scummy, yeah. He's so scummy, though. He's so
1: scummy. You're he, not scummy, yeah, Haruka. <laughs> He's, maybe scum I will be all in the, the scum. No, you wouldn't. People
0: are different in the apocalypse, Christina. Exactly. <laughs> we all want to think we'd be a Ben and, you know, hit everybody who annoys us. <laughs> 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 I am um, like, yeah, my problem is I'd, Barbara, I actually think, has a good purpose. And like you said, I think the dynamic with her and Ben works so well because I'm frustrated mm-hmm. with her. But mm-hmm. with Ben being so proactive, it really works. Henry is annoying but again it works in this in the triangle of characters there Mm -hmm. his Mm -hmm. wife i think is actually brilliant i think she's actually Mm -hmm. i think her and ben are my two favorite characters even though she doesn't end up doing much but oh my god judy and milk boy Milfoy, I hate because he just can't act. Like, his character's fine. He's just kind of like, I'm the local kid who's a, you know, do gooder and I'll help out, Ben. Don't you worry. But he gives stuff like, in a minute when he's meant to be leaving and he's looking at his girlfriend, he looks like he wants to murder her. And it's meant to be a look of love, I think. And they linger on his face for so long and he does this Uh, creepy little smile. And it's just uh, terrible.
1: I didn't get that.
0: (laughs) And his girlfriend, Judy, oh my God. God, she's like somebody just called in their hot friend from California she to come to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. She is so pretty <laughs> she and is so, so pretty. terrible. Yes. Yeah. So terrible. And she just does nothing. She <laughs> has no emotional reality to the situation that's going on. She's just like this insipid. She's like the worst idea of how you feel 60s films portrayed women. You know, she's just like,
4: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I'm so pretty. What's going on over here? Oh, maybe I'll sit here for a little bit. That's a shame. <laughs> it's like
1: nothing. She gives but nothing. Do you, but do you think it's because also they didn't give her much to start to go off of?
0: Or? No, I think she's just terrible. Mm. Mm. They're adapting the scripts as they go along. If she'd been yeah. great, her character would have done more, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. yeah. Uh,
0: she is literally just, oh, I happen to know already pretty girl. We can bring her in for the smaller part, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. She and she's was, definitely the weak link for me.
2: Yeah. She was so stoned.
0: Yeah, that's how yeah, she seemed. Yeah, she
2: did seem really
1: stoned. Just, like, so lackadaisical about it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. My parents word. are so worried. <laughs> we need to contact them, my parents.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, we do get a great line from the wife here, which, which was the – uh when she finds there's a radio upstairs, she gets really angry with, with Cooper for locking him in down there. And she's like, we may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Best line. Yeah. It's a great line. Mm-hmm. A
0: lot of these lines as well were ad-libbed. It's impossible to know which ones, wow. but a lot of it was improvised. Yeah. And really, like, I mean, to be honest, if Judy had been well-written and strong- then I would have kind of been fine with the women in this film. Like Barbara doing what she's doing is fine. I think the wife is decent. Mm -hmm. It's just the fact that you've got three who don't really do anything. I know. And only one of them's written okay. I know. Mm. It's true. Uh, Meanwhile, Barbara's stroking the linen on the sofa.
1: Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) She's gone full on psychopath. While three
0: (laughs) boys have to go to pick up a TV that they've suddenly found out (laughs) (laughs)
1: place it and on get, the chairs. Like, just put it on the fucking floor. Who yeah. cares?
0: We get my favorite line in the whole film, though, which is, there's no sound. Play with the rabbit ears. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> TV comes on. Again, like was I saying I love this stuff. Yeah, um, I loved it. We get, it looked
1: so good, didn't it? Oh, it looks
0: great. It really yeah. does. And it just feels, again, maybe I'm giving it an extra credit because it's the 60s and, you know, I'm counting it. That's how TV felt in the 60s. But it feels genuine to me. Mm. Uh, so they're Same. reporting it's been established that the people who have recently died are coming back to life and committing acts of murder the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims so that's it's very like again we're building the mythos gradually throughout the film and i love it i love it being drip fed like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah it was great
0: and they've now changed their mind they're not telling people to stay inside they've got rescue stations that you can head to and then we get these clips with lots of exposition to do with the Explorer satellite that was shot to Venus. That satellite started back to Earth but never got here as NASA destroyed it as it carried a high-level radiation.
4: Mm-hmm. And then a, a
0: journalist is asking one of the scientists and he's saying there's a definite connection. But then the generals are saying, oh, we don't know about that. We don't know. So do you guys feel that this is it? Do you feel like definitely this is, this is what it is? It is radiation zombies.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: That's what's interesting. It's like most people who watch this and most crew members in interviews, this is what it is. It mm-hmm. is space radiation. Yeah. You speak to George Romero or you watch interviews with him and he laughs about it and says, yeah, people really took that stuff seriously. Um, and says to him, that was never the intention. To him, it was never meant to be explained. This was just one of the things it could be. And as we'll get to when we get to the sequels of this, he has a very different interpretation of what he wants it to be.
1: Right. But I just didn't feel like they were going to give me anything else. Mm. Like I didn't a- feel like there was going to be any other theories thrown at me. And there wasn't.
4: Yeah. Mm. There mean, wasn't yeah, any I mean-
1: like windows to like, ooh, it could possibly be this or that.
4: Yeah,
0: Haruka and I said the same thing. In a film, the problem is you give us one solution and that's what we're going to attach to because that's the only solution there
2: is. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So what else can you believe?
2: Yeah. and Let's face it, radioactive spacecraft being the reason for a zombie epidemic is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So these films, like, again, we'll talk about it really in the wrap up, but there's a whole different series of these films that are meant to be sequels to this film called Return of the Living Dead. There are five films in that series, and they're actually created by the other writer, not George Romero. He went on and did his series, and then his partners went on and did their own series um, called Return of the Living Dead. And that's more based to do with the space stuff. It's got a lot of boobs in it. It's got a lot more zombies, how we think of zombies, like Mm all decayed. That is the series that actually invented the word brains to do with zombies in the very Mm -hmm. first film. One of them is just wants brains, and it's much more comedy fun. Whereas Romero wanted to do something that was really a social commentary in each film and be more serious with it. So yeah, if you like that stuff, I recommend Return of the Living Dead. Okay. We will not be covering right. them on this uh, series. <laughs> so yeah, the TV saying bring people who are hurt immediately to the rescue station. So again, we're getting more lore that now we take for granted. Because uh, it's saying that they had a cadaver. Did you pick this up? Because it's really mm-hmm. blinking, you miss it. We had a cadaver that had all of its legs and arms cut off and it came back to life. So cremate mm-hmm, yeah. them immediately. Yeah. yeah. Now you take that as a given because we all know zombies, mm-hmm. right?
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: at the time, this I wonder how much of a, of a kind of like implausible truth this would be for audiences at the time of like, wow, you just keep adding more and more stuff to this mythos of what mm-hmm. these things are. But again, they're saying cool things that they could not afford to do. In Return of the Living Dead, you will see cadavers with their limbs cut off moving and all of that stuff. Right. Um, But they couldn't do it here. So then they come up with a new plan. Make Molotov cocktails that is going to be thrown at the zombies to distract them and repel them while Tom and Ben go out to the car to drive it to the gas pump to try and then get gas and then bring the truck back, reconvene, and then get everyone out of there. That's the new plan. Yeah. Yeah conveniently as haruka said when we're watching it tom suddenly just finds the key for the gas pump that says gas pump
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> which he really well
1: yeah
0: sort of yeah that's true actually
1: it doesn't um, it won't open it and then he ben has to blow it open with he his gun
0: shoots a fucking gas pump <laughs>
1: <laughs> which yeah. i do not Smart. recommend to
0: anybody yeah this is the bit where he goes to tell his girlfriend he's got to go and and my god
1: uh, a good idea. I just don't know. Oh my god. Do you think it's a good idea? Is it the right idea?
0: So here I've written <laughs> down my list of like she's the worst, then Tom, then Mr. Cooper, then Barbara. That's my list right now.
1: <laughs> but it's more of like a love to hate, right? <laughs> well then he
0: gives the line, he gives the actual line, hey smiley, where's that big smile for me?
1: Oh I god. know oh. oh my god. <laughs> That's after telling
0: her to stop smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So, Mr. Cooper... I do appreciate Mr. Cooper's kind of overcome his begrudgingness, And he's like, all right, I'm going to go along with this plan. So, he's gone to the top to throw these Molotovs out the top window. Like we said, no fire suits. These are just the producers actually on fire. That is crazy. It's pretty great. Tom gets the truck, Ben follows, and then Judy suddenly decides i can't give up my boyfriend so in a beautifully idiotic move decides to come outside and then freezes <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah are you gonna useless. come or are you gonna gum <laughs> i mean you have no choice
0: you know, ben uses a big old torch and they drive to the pump and then yeah like you say ben shoots the gas pump which is a terrible idea and then gas starts spilling out and well It's like Tom actually takes the gas. He's like, I can fill it up. I can fill it up and just start spraying it all over the fucking torch. Because he's an idiot.
1: Well, (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, I get if the zombies were nearby, but they're not. They've got a breather. They've got time. They they didn't need to panic quite like that. But then Ben is being sensible. He's immediately like, all right, let's put this out before it hits the gas pump. Whereas Mm -hmm. Tom's like, we're going to get away. And him and Judy start driving away. And of course, the fire's like in the truck. And Judy gets stuck with a fucking... She's so useless. She can't even undo a seatbelt.
1: Why would she even put her seatbelt on? (laughs) (laughs) No such a point.
0: In a zombie world, seatbelts aren't your main pro. No. (laughs) Very true. I don't know. Anyway, She gets caught. She can't get out. And then the whole thing blows up. Which... I mean, was there gas in the back of the truck? In in which case, they could have filled it up with that. Otherwise, that truck is never going to blow up from some fire. That's not how Mm -hmm. cars work. I know it's how we're taught in films... You you get a flame near a car and it blows up. When he got Mm -hmm. out of the
1: car, though, when Ben got out of the car at the gas pump, did he, like, spray lighter fluid all over the place for some... Right? Didn't he? I don't know. No, it's
0: just, like, he's just taking the gas pump, but then he just doesn't... Uh, He just starts pumping it straight away.
1: mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see, yeah. So they Ben and
0: Judy, my least favorite's done, so I'm happy.
1: (laughs) Barbecued, as they say.
0: Yeah, barbecued. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then the zombies start chowing down at them. They actually gave them some barbecued meat for some of those shots and put chocolate on it.
1: That was hilarious. I thought that whole scene, and it was long, of Mm -hmm. the zombies eating their intestines and shoulders or whatever. It was hilarious. Mm. (laughs) They did it for a long time too. Like well, so yeah. many shots. <laughs> it's
0: because, Christina, hey, <laughs> they're trying to go as gory as possible. So, this is really nasty for that era. And it's nasty too now if you know that everything they're eating. So, there are a few bits that you can tell. They're cooked meat with chocolate on them. They're the barbecued bits. But once they get to the intestines, yeah, the, the livers, shiny.
1: Yeah, what like that?
0: all of those things, it is real animal parts that was just taken. They went to one of the local butchers, bought all of the stuff that they weren't selling, and they just ate it.
1: Ugh. Ugh. are you serious
0: you would not be allowed to do that now <laughs> people would get sick
1: thank god <laughs> that's pretty amazing I mean
0: so yeah, it's, it's still if pretty they did horrible that they have to that. make
1: that they have to really milk that shit because that's it goes on and on. Mm. Yeah,
0: and, and no one had tell. seen that you had not seen people being eaten on camera like that right. before it yeah, was a that big was a, deal it
2: was a mm. lot of eating man yeah and they looked so like you can tell on their faces they did not enjoy that but then they were like i'm an actor i have to yeah i have to do this it's Fine. What? Oh, they looked so uncomfortable yeah oh, I, I thought it was hilarious
0: so while they're doing that ben's fighting his way back to the house and then mr cooper stalls isn't gonna let him in ben sees this forces his way in yeah. they get this great little look between them
1: does it, he, ben, does it, he doesn't stall. He just doesn't let him in. Well, he like, Should he stalls I not? and then he decides, nah. not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so then Ben does something that as far as we can find has never been done in film before. So the year before that, Sidney Poitier was in a film where he slapped a white man in the face. After the white man slapped him, Ben just punches this guy like three times in the face.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, he kind of moment. deserved it. Absolutely.
0: But it's I, really impossible to say just how bold that was at the time. Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. did not see that happen on film. It's a time where they had a TV show, I've forgotten what it was called now, was set in the South. Set in the South of America, there was not a single black person on that TV show.
4: Mm-hmm. You know, it was wow. a time
0: where the films were about taking yeah, Sidney Potier again. As a black man, as your middle class doctor boyfriend back home for dinner with your parents. And the whole film is about the controversy of mm-hmm. taking back your black boyfriend, you know, to dinner with your parents. Like, this was a role that was so bold for its time and so ahead mm-hmm. of its time.
1: Wow. Punch the fucking white man. Punch <laughs> he, he
4: <teaches laughs> but him. But he didn't
1: only just punch him. I was shocked that he killed him. He shot oh, yeah. him. Oh, yeah.
4: Yep. Well, he's like, going to, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I you, don't you need him? Don't you need him for something? <laughs> no, just bam.
0: Yeah, so they reveal that the kid, his kid, has been bitten by one of the zombies. Again, before cultural knowledge of us really knowing what that means. So now we've watched yeah. that,
1: mm-hmm. and you know well, what's going to I knew happen, that kid right? was going to come back.
4: Yeah. But yeah. at the time, and you would never think that. I feel like the that.
1: mother kind of had a feeling, too. Like, she was kind of like, mm, I'm going to go check on my daughter. Like, mmm, mm, mm. I felt like right, she right, right. was a little like cuz when they kept asking her like oh what happened How, is she okay like what what's her injury I feel like she always kind of avoided it like, I think it was like three times she was like asked or it was talked about she kind of didn't really uh go into it
0: Right right right
1: mm-hmm. I never
0: thought of that Yeah it's hard to watch this stuff though not with modern knowledge that's the problem mm-hmm. It's like that you have to preach it, at that time it's just a mm-hmm. sick daughter on like who's ill and it would have been a source of sympathy now it's like we know what's going to happen yeah
1: (laughs) we know the zombie world
0: but the tv broadcast begins again and here we get like something really cool we get like we see groups like this is daytime footage so it's clearly earlier in the day and we see people out near them in the fields Working as groups, seeming very relaxed about it all, taking out the zombies as a group, saying it's fine, explaining the rules about shooting them in the head or cremating them, and saying the brain of the ghoul has been activated by radiation, so if you kill the brain, then you kill the ghoul. We have a TV reporter interviewing someone called The Chief, uh, who's played by George Costner, who's also the production manager on this film. (laughs) The TV reporter was a real, quite famous TV reporter around there, and they asked him to come out and shoot with them and promised him that it wouldn't take up any of his time, and then they made him wait 10 hours basically (laughs) before they did anything. (laughs) And this is all improv, all this stuff. All this stuff is improv, all the people here are real, real police, real reporters, real cameraman. We get the chief doing that improv bit of dialogue, which is the other really, really famous bit where he says, yeah, they're dead, they're all messed up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I
1: love that. (laughs) It was great. Everything was great there.
0: That stuff works. It. Does it, not, it doesn't deflate the film for you. You're happy with like seeing all of that outside yeah. of it. And- yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Haruka?
2: Yeah, it was cool.
0: I, I really, this stuff, again, it just works so well for me. Like just seeing how traumatizing it is for this little f- group mm-hmm. in a house and then just seeing these other groups who are just having fun with it almost, yeah. you know, who are just like, yeah, it's fine. We're just out. And the, all of that footage very much feels like, you know, like the Vietnam War footage. That's mm-hmm. really what it feels. Mm-hmm. You've got these men with guns out in the yep. fields doing horrible things, but not really caring about it, just being mm-hmm. very relaxed about it. And it yep. feels like Vietnam footage.
1: You all um, look like cowboys. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. So I think it's like, for me, it's just these are the things that are definitely Romeroisms that we're going to see repeated where he's definitely doing a commentary on the time, not necessarily with what he was doing with Ben, but with everything else, like what the zombies represent, how the rest Mm -hmm. of the Americans are treating the epidemic and the balance of all that and definitely when we get to the end Mm
4: -hmm. of the film. Mm -hmm.
0: But then the power goes out in the house, so they lose the TV, we're not going to get any more information, that's as much as we're getting. He tells Helen that he needs to get the gun and he blames Ben for the deaths of Tom and Judy. And now, now... for some reason, the zombies decide to start picking up items to smash into the house. <laughs> Is it they're because they've smart. had a taste of flesh now, you think?
1: I don't know. I don't know, it's <laughs> I like don't they've know a, man.
0: They've had a Red Bull drink and they're ready to go. They're like, we've got some energy in us now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, they're
0: pretty placid for most of this movie. Suddenly, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's pick up all this stuff and just batter in the windows. <laughs> like yeah why didn't you do that ages ago but yeah this is a bit where mr cooper steals ben's gun uh, so ben gets it back and shoots him in cold blood like just no arguing oh that's no fighting, right
1: that's right He just okay shoots okay him. okay i mm, would, i forgot yeah. i thought he was punching him punching him punching him and then shot him no he shot him because he stole the gun that's right <laughs> no, no. i forgot about that
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah yeah. So, I mean, he has his reasons, but he's yeah, very he much really just does. like, you know what? You're going to be a liability. I'm taking you out right mm-hmm. now.
1: He gave him so many chances.
0: And he falls down to the cellar. That's
2: yeah. true. He did. What
0: I like about Ben is like, I'm going to be very kind, but if you're going to fuck around, then you're this is the get line it. I draw. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cross the line.
0: Helen is then grabbed by the zombies that are breaking oh, in. Oh, so my
1: God. Helen, <laughs> she's just there, like just there, just like having an orgy with the zombie hands.
0: Yep. they're having a good. <laughs> All you gotta do is boys.
1: move forward. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, yeah, this, I mean, this it, was it did not look like they were actually holding her. her.
1: It just looked like they were touching her. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it makes Barbara finally snap out of it. So, she finally goes to help way too late. Can't do anything.
1: <laughs> and then she gets Barbara. stuck in the orgy hand zombie thing.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, they need someone to grope. <laughs> While Helen goes downstairs and finds that her zombie daughter is eating the father. So, we don't get the zombie <laughs> daughter waking up. We just get suddenly up. And that was perfect. Chow, chowing mm. down. We get a cool shadow shot as the kid uses the trowel because she then starts stabbing her mother. And there's a great little story. That there's an interview great. with the kid growing up <laughs> which is saying, Yeah, they just kept they just told me to like keep using the trowel and just keep like they, they weren't obviously telling them stabbing something. They had it's like you're meant to be I can't remember, it's just meant to be like hitting some dirt or something. Just like, <laughs> Have I done it for long enough? They're like, No, just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> and then they'd spray some blood up on the walls around
1: her. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was great.
0: So no surprise with the kid, basically, because no. it's impossible now.
2: Yeah. No. No, we saw it Not coming us, from I guess. miles yeah. away.
1: From, d- from the moment, the moment we saw her, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you knew.
0: weird, warped, screaming in this scene though. Like they do oh weird my stuff God. with it.
1: Yeah, I wrote that down ah. when she, when the mother is screaming. It was so. Mm. What was that music over it or something? It was I don't know that
0: weird. It goes echoey. It was, and yeah. Then high pitch. It was crazy. Yeah. It's kind of like Psycho on Drugs. It was really Mm -mm -mm. bizarre. But this is, again, this is extreme (laughs) violence for the time. It really Mm -hmm. is. To see a daughter killing her mother by stabbing her with a a garden
1: trout. Tough stuff. (laughs) It's great. Um,
0: But Ben and Barbara, the original two, they're left. They're fending off the hordes. We get the original zombie. He turns up at the windows as well. And then Johnny comes in with his sexy clothes. Of course. I knew he was going (laughs) to come in. I
1: was waiting for that.
0: (laughs) Uh, And he grabs Barbara and she's screaming and Ben says, fuck this shit. (laughs) Just retreats to the cellar. (laughs) Turns out Mr. Cooper was right the whole time as the zombies begin to take over the house. Um, And then Mr. Cooper comes back to life. So, Ben gets to kill him again.
3: Again.
0: (laughs) It's double treat. And then he kills Helen as well. Uh, and then he seems to sort of, I guess he's run out of options, but he doesn't seem to have any more plans. He's kind of, he's, I think he seems like he's given himself over to, well, I'm going to die. But I don't know. Because um, hmm. he just sort of waits and then falls asleep. And he didn't seem to think the basement was going to protect them in the first no. place. I think, he's, I think mm-hmm. in his head, he's like, well, this is it.
1: That's what I thought.
0: So then we cut very quickly to the next morning and we see those groups in the newsreel out sweeping the fields, killing the zombies. Ben wakes up. He can't hear <gasps> anything upstairs, and then here's the dogs and the gunshots, and all the and zombies And the helicopter.
1: Mm-hmm, helicopter mm-hmm.
0: as well. And then the groups find the burnt-out truck, and Haruka, you pointed out a little line of dialogue that they say.
2: Yeah, about the barbecue thing. Yeah, the barbecue, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, wow, someone had a cookout here.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and yeah so, but this is what I mean. This is very much a commentary on Vietnam War. That's how you'd see stuff when you see, like, the burnt mm. bodies in the vietnam war and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and the show reel and in the news reels they'll be getting back from the soldiers these very mm-hmm. callous things
1: yeah um, how numb they became Mm-mm. exactly
0: exactly yeah i think there's some over intellectualizing that goes into a lot of these things particularly with romero and his social commentaries but he definitely is saying stuff here anyway they're getting near the house Ben's up in the uh with his gun with his gun out up in the living room they see him with his gun out and then just did all right there's a guy there just get him in your sights take him down very relaxed the chief is like, all right there's another one for the fire let's move on music kicks in credits and then we're treated to a series of photographs of him being hooked and dragged mm-hmm. out to a fire to mm. burn with the other zombies as mm-hmm. spooky music plays helicopters flying overhead and then a post credits piece of footage of the bonfire just burning away is this the ending you were expecting No. Either.
1: No, but I had a feeling. Mm. Yeah, I knew. I had. I had such a bad feeling. I was like, "Oh no, Um, (laughs) the cops are there. Oh no, they they're killing all the zombies right now. Oh no, Ben's gonna come up from from the basement. Oh fuck, they're gonna shoot him. I was hoping it'd be them. Yeah, I I I had a feeling. I I was worried that they were gonna shoot him. But okay.
2: I was hoping they
0: weren't. Did you think that? But Rucha? they did.
2: No, I thought really? he was going to survive and they're going to become friends and, you know. Yeah. Go skipping into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no. But then, like, when... Because when I pointed out the whole, like, burnt truck barbecue comment, you said, oh, yeah, it's there for a reason. So I was like, okay. So maybe, oh, okay. yeah, there's something, Mm-mm. you know, sad's going to happen. But... Yeah, it was quite shocking for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it would have been very shocking at the time. I found it shocking. And that's what I mean. This is the ending that made me realize oh, I should be watching horror films <laughs> because mm-hmm. this is so brave and cool. And it's an ending that's very hard now. I'm always interested mm-hmm. if people can see this coming or not because you get to the end of a film nowadays and you're totally open for, well, if it looks like there's going to be a happy ending in a horror film, something bad's probably going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, but.
0: This is really the start of that. So it's not just zombies. This is the start of those nihilistic, really bleak endings that horror films could have. And George Romero really, really had to fight for it in the end. Again, for him, that is George Romero's commentary on the time and the bleakness of the time and the callousness of it. Sorry, Christina, what are you going to say?
1: Oh, no, no, no. I didn't hear really what you said at the end because you, I don't know. I lost very interesting.
0: It was very interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but was it you who said the original ending for Get Out was that he to do was right? Yes. So
0: no full spoilers to this, for Get Out. Like but he yes. was ah.
1: shot by the cops.
0: The original right? ending for Get Out is indeed something which would be seen mm-hmm. now as cliched because mm-hmm. that's kind of what you would expect, you know, to complete the social commentary that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was the film that started that kind of trend. I guess, or just the braveness that you can have. But it was very hard for this film to influence anybody, so I am gonna tell you, before we get your opinions and I'll wrap up on this film, I'm going to tell you a little bit what happened after they made this film. It took them a long time to shoot it, they had to keep coming back. They came back in different se- seasons of the year to keep shooting it because they were making it up as they went along. When it did eventually come out, there's been a bunch of alternate versions, by the way. None of them are worth watching but the original. They colorized mm-hmm. it three different times. There's a green zombie version from the 80s, <laughs> oh, a human wow. colored zombie version <laughs> later on. I think it's a blue colored version done oh by 20th Century Fox. There are loads of cut versions, even when it's still shown on TV nowadays, there are still, this film's still cut down for the violence in it. But the, yeah, there's also 30th anniversary edition from Anchor Bay, which removes 15 minutes, 15 what? minutes, and then adds a new 15 minutes of footage shot that George Romero had nothing to do with.
1: Bizarre. Um,
0: it's so weird. I have seen this many years ago. They try to explain where the zombie attack that attacks Barbara came from. So you start off with like the funeral for that zombie in that mm-hmm. graveyard. <laughs> uh, you get a TV interview as a priest from this new beginning that's an attack. You get some other zombie scenes and a new ending where a TV reporter goes to the medic center to visit the priest from the beginning of the film who has survived his zombie attack. And he claims he was chosen by God. And he claims the zombies are demons from hell and that all dead bodies should be crucified.
3: And oh, that's where it ends. It's wow. really bad. And they're Weird. trying to cut in
0: this new footage from 30 years later into the film. It's a very strange experiment. So I don't like it, no idea what it did. So, yeah, this for is money? the only version.
1: They did it for money? <sighs> I guess so.
0: I guess so. <laughs> but, well, I'm going to tell you how they could do it. So, this is the interesting and very sad story of the post production of this film. They finished the film. And then they went out to try and get distribution. Now, while they're literally driving with their finished cans of film uh, to try and get distribution, Martin Luther King on the radio comes over that he's been assassinated. Mm.
4: So, suddenly they get
0: very worried about the politics of their film, about everything that's happening with Ben, and whether or not it's going to make it an impossible film to sell. Now, they did have trouble. Columbia were interested. They held onto it for a while and then eventually turned it down. They said that they wanted to change the ending and george was like nope fuck you guys this is our movie interviews with george romero by the way are fantastic he is such a wonderful character and he's <laughs> just so relaxed about it all he's like what are you talking about it's not we're not doing our movie we're not changing the ending so then they went to american international pictures and they said that they wanted it but they also said you have to change that ending and george is like well we're not changing the ending And they regretted that for a while because then it took them ages and they couldn't get distribution Mm. Uh, until eventually they hired a sales agent and they did manage to get a deal with Walter Reed organization. And they were waiting for, uh, you've got to change the ending, but they were fine, fine with the ending. So it was released mostly in drive-in. So you have to remember, this is like the drive-in double bill exploitation era and it was treated as a grindhouse exploitation movie. Right. It it was shown alongside movies that were made to shock with violence and sex, but they weren't that explicit because it was the 60s. But that's what it was chucked into, were these dirty, no artistic integrity, no commentary, they're just there to titillate films. Uh, Variety reviewed it. They called it an unrelieved orgy of sadism which casts serious aspersions on the integrity and social responsibility of its makers. New York Times reviewed it. Said it's a grainy little movie acted by what appear to be non-professional actors who are besieged in a farmhouse by some other non-professional actors who (laughs) stagger around stiff-legged pretending to be flesh-eating ghouls. That was their entire review, by the way.
4: Wow. That
0: was all. And Reader's Digest warned people away from it, claiming if it's ever watched, it will inspire cannibalism.
1: Ooh, what? <laughs> oh my God, it's so stupid.
0: <laughs> and Roger Ebert absolutely hated it. It's on his list of most hated films of all time.
1: It wow. did so well
0: on the exploitation <laughs> market that it became the ex- exploitation film of the month. And then a critic for Andy Warhol's very hip magazine at the time, just called Interview said Mm -hmm. it should open at an art house and run for at least a month because it is a work of art
4: wow so it took a little
0: while in those days so by 1970 it hit europe and it was once it hit europe that everything changed for this film it was getting reviews from france that would call it this is a literal quote, enriching, extraordinary, and a miracle. Wow.
1: Because <laughs> is so much smarter. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: or we I like just trash. just get it. I <laughs> so, once that happened, critics in America started retracting their original <laughs> of reviews. Of course. <laughs> and it became a part of the moment's permanent collection. So, here's where the problem comes in. By this point, it's making serious money, right? You can see in its first year, it's, it did well. It got to the top 10 films that year. a tiny tiny budget but a couple Mm -hmm. years later when it's really taken off it's doing very well becoming the most successful film and return of all time it was originally called the night of the flesh eaters now at this time in cinema you had to have copyright on the print of your film somewhere so in the end credits or in the beginning so you'll notice a lot of titles will have copyright at the beginning uh loads of them have them at the end now, them not knowing what they were doing, when they called it The Night of the Flesh Eaters, they put their copyright at that front title and not at the back end of the movie. So that's where it was. When they eventually went to distribute it, the distributors didn't like Night of the Flesh Eaters because there was another film that had Flesh Eaters in its title recently. So they suggested, how about Night of the Living Dead? And Romero and his guys, like that sounds great. Let's do that. So this new distributor put this new title on. Now, the title was put on obviously without putting on a copyright on the front of the film. So, it took a little while before they realized the repercussions of this, but they quickly found out that their film immediately, as soon as it was released, had become public property. So, you both might know this film mostly because any film you see when they have films on in the background, or particularly horror films, they always will use Night of the Living Dead. One of the reasons (laughs) is because anybody – can use Night of the Living Dead. You can use its footage however you want. You can release it and make money from it. It It's been released. You can remake it as many times as you want. There are about a Uh, dozen remakes of this film that are just called like Night of the Living Dead or a spin on that because anybody can do anything they want to this film and there's nothing they can do about it.
3: So Image
0: 10, who were run by Romero and his friends, received no royalties for the huge ticket sales that they got.
4: Oh, wow. and when
0: they attempt to sue the distributor Walter Reed filed for bankruptcy so they didn't even get that
1: that's it wasn't so until... horrible
0: it is a very very sad story and it's Horned mm. Love and they've been fighting it for decades it's to find their yeah. life yes. on. he eventually was like okay I'm going to make Dawn of the Dead and did his own thing mm-hmm. but it wasn't until March the 1st 1989 that this rule changed and you no longer needed to have a copyright notice on your film but it's very very sad and it yeah, meant that this sad. movie that they should have made that's tens of millions. Up. And for me, it's just kind of like, well, as a distributor or as a cinema house, how would you not just think, well, these people need them, like, deserve the money? That was a stupid mistake. But people yeah. were greedy. And people weren't giving them, and didn't give them any of the mm. money. They didn't care.
1: That's fucked up. Wow.
0: So they made Dang. basically
1: nothing on the Dang. biggest Dang. film of all time. Wow. Time. Oh, that's ridiculous. Wow. I would be so angry. I'm so angry for them. Mm.
4: Again, you they watch these so, interviews they got and so it's
1: screwed wonderful. over
0: you see the ones who are really in pain about it they're even standing Mm -hmm. in like the place where it should have been filed and where it went wrong but you see Romero with it and he's like stupid mistake (laughs) (laughs) he's like "Eh, we're kids we didn't know what Mm -hmm. we're doing I guess Uh, what would you rather
1: have a successful movie you know or mm -hmm. I don't know successful
0: movie and money
2: yeah (laughs) both would be nice (laughs) Uh, I mean it's such an Mm -hmm. iconic you know yeah genre defying film and they didn't make any money from that basically mm-hmm. not money i mean I made mean, some like
0: from the sales of it but not from the ticket prices and particularly wow. once it got abroad to europe and stuff they were pretty much fucked pretty much fucked. fucked you know it's gone on to define so much it's defined what we think of zombies it defined what we could do with horror films it defined mm-hmm. really what was acceptable with endings the walking dead tv series like the um mm-hmm. showrunner for that came out in one of these documentaries to say specifically like they patterned their all of their zombies after that original zombie night living dead they had freeze frames of him on everywhere to base all of their zombie movements and look and all of that stuff around that Mm -hmm. zombie
1: you really see
2: Um, it though Mm. i mean the whole idea of because in this film they said it doesn't matter if you were bitten or not if you die during this pandemic you will come back as a zombie and that's This, that they use that in The Walking Dead don't they that's yeah. the premise yes. mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
0: It's, it's like 100% other things were doing zombie stuff before but not quite like this uh, but I think the big adjustment that people need is the importance of George Romero but also the importance of, of his partner of, uh, say Joe Russ, Russo John Russo sorry who really came up with so many of those things to do with the zombies it wasn't just George Romero Romero was much less interested in the practicalities of that stuff he was more interested in what he could play with The only last little fact that's probably not interesting to you guys yet, but to big horror fans, Tom Savini is one of the biggest makeup artists and actors as well. He's in From Dusk to Dawn and many films, Uh and he's a director now as well. He plays Sex Machine in From Dusk to Dawn. That's how people might know him. Oh,
2: oh, wow.
0: The guy with the gun for a penis.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, cool.
0: He is one of the most legendary effects artists in the world, if not the most. Uh, He was actually meant to do the effects for this film. Uh, they met <laughs> well. him during an audition for a film that Romero tried to get made that never happened. But unfortunately, Tom Savino was unable to come because he was called to duty as a combat photographer in Vietnam, um, which really changed his life because he went and did that. And then he came back and started working on Friday the 13th um, and other films. And he based all of his horror effects work around what he saw in Vietnam.
4: Wow! Um, so, wow. I don't know how good
0: he would have been at this point, this early in his career. But to think that they could have had even better effects potentially- <laughs> would have been like to have Tom Savini, another legend on board. This would have been crazy. So there you go. That was 9 limb Dead, 1968, the now. first film. Very important f- film to me. Obviously, I've made it clear that I love this movie. Mm-hmm. So for, and an, I never do this, but I'm going to actually sum up very quickly my feelings before getting into your feelings because everyone knows my feelings. <laughs> this is genuinely one of my favorite films of all time. I think it has a lot of problems. I think a lot of it doesn't make sense and we've pointed that out. I think a lot of the, well, a few of the people, the acting is terrible. I think some of the writing for females is, is really bad. <laughs> but I love so much about this. Um, I love the feel of it. I, love, I don't have any real technical problems with this film, which is kind of amazing for the time. I love the back and forth between eloquent filmmaking and the guerrilla filmmaking. I like the music and how it's used. I love the ending. I love the newsreel stuff. I love the diatribe that Ben gives so much. And for me, it's pretty much, you know, it's impossible for me to separate it from how it affected me as a teenager, obviously, so I can't be objective. Mm -hmm. But for me, it is pretty much a perfect midnight movie in terms of what I want from that kind of thing when it's like late at night and you're just like putting something on and it's spooky, but not too spooky. And it whisks you into this very evocative, strange world. I love it. I really do. So it's a very, Mm -hmm. very high recommend for me. And I'm very interested to see. When we get to the end of this series, if you guys like this one the most or something else the most as we go through, because things are going to change from decade to decade a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. I bet Haruka.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Haruka, what are your feelings for this?
2: One? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was incredibly charming, and the fact that you know what you mentioned about how it was made makes it extra special. But yeah, it was. It's really fun. I don't know if it was meant to be fun, fun, but. It was very fun to watch and some of the terrible dialogues I absolutely loved um, as well as the good ones. Yeah, the characters were, you know, especially the protagonist was great and even the rubbish women were pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot.
0: I feel like there's a but coming on. You seem to have like a, like I enjoyed it, but...
2: But the zombies were not scary enough for me. But again, that's because it was the OG zombies so you know kudos to that yeah
0: (laughs) i do have like i mean we nearly had tom on this podcast who's uh started these podcasts with me a long time ago and he's a big horror fan he's always hated all of romero's zombie films i mean him Mm -hmm. have always argued about it and his point has always been they're not scary. Like for him, what he's doing mm-hmm, with it mm-hmm. is always more fun or in this adventure thing or it's a comedy mm-hmm. or it's a social commentary. It's not scary for him and it's not what he wants from a horror film. Right. I do think this first film is very much, I mean, I know it is from the interviews. It's trying to be scary for sure. Mm-hmm. And for the right. time, I think it would have been terrifying mm-hmm. and violent as hell. Now it's obviously not. Um,
2: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I appreciate that is a problem with this first one of like, does it work in a different way? When you're not going to be shocked by it anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's a definite (laughs) must-see. Definitely. (laughs) It's a definite must-see. I wish I was able to watch it with some friends. I think it would have been a lot more fun to point out all the weird things that happened and talk about it while it was happening. I really wish I was able to watch it with you guys. That would have been great. I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was, I liked it. What else can I say?
0: (laughs) So, well, okay. So, knowing George Romero is going to go away from horror after this and he's going to, he actually did some films that you can't even buy ever. They were never released in VHS. He did like a weird romantic film after this. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to return to him with the crazies because that is a film he did between. But the next real one in the series is Dawn of the Dead, which happened in the 70s, where where, where do you want it to go after this? Do you want a direct sequel to this? Like all our characters are dead. Like what do you expect from know, a sequel? I know I do not this? know
1: what to expect after this. I do not know what we're going to be watching next. I, is it? I don't. I have no idea how what the next step is. You know, is it is it just a remake of it or is it a continuation of it? I don't know. Do you think so you'd want to tell. remake
0: it? Because I know some people do feel like with Romero, like uh, obviously no, your I hands are tied with this one.
1: I wouldn't want to remake it. I. I think it's perfect as it is. It was so interesting. It was so much more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And it, it hit a lot of things that really shocked me, you know, with the, you know, him, with Ben being killed by the cops, with all Shit the... Shit the white guy. Yeah, all of that stuff. Judy's um, really, acting. I mean, I know, I guess it, I, I know you say that he, he wasn't trying to say anything by it, but you, he really, it really does say something. And it was also interesting... I don't know if you guys thought so or noticed that, but everybody was kind of killed by their loved ones. Like the the um, husband and wife, they were killed by their daughters. I mean, their daughter Mm -hmm. and the couple. I mean, she kind of got killed because she went with him, and he kind of just killed them both, basically because he's kind of was kind
3: of. I think he died Uh. because of her.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They both died because of each other, and then uh, is it Barbara? Yeah. blondie and blondie one yeah, yeah, she was killed, killed by, by her mother mm, very good point that's true. That is, i've and never noticed that ben was killed by the cops
0: yes which were his real love
1: <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean that that you know i'm just that's saying he wasn't killed by a loved that. one everybody else was but not ben mm. i don't know there's a lot of just interesting things that really made me think about in this movie
0: that's awesome I'm really hmm. happy that it had like – that it could still be even enjoyable is an achievement for a film 50 years old. But
1: mm-hmm. that it could still
0: have any impact on it, any of us is – it's a great thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, in 2018 right now, I mean, we're still – I mean, it, I don't know the parallels of it are still kind of happening. How many horror yeah. films from this year you are going to be watching in
0: 50 years time and will actually change, you know, the way people approach things in film? And it's harder to do now. We were talking about it after the film. Me and Haruka, because like it's very hard now to create new rules with film. Everything's basically been done. But mm-hmm. it, so I, I kind of envy them. You know, living that time where you could really just like do something as simple as say, "Fuck it, let's just go make a movie and just throw yourselves into it, do every job on it, and you know, be brave with it and you know, and create a new genre, really." of both Mm -hmm. of what's in front of the cinema also behind and again it can't be underestimated this is the beginning of guerrilla filmmaking there were a couple other Mm -hmm. things happening but this is like right at that forefront and it's very important just for filmmakers as well
1: Mm -hmm. it's so gutsy yeah yeah i mean if you say that if it's true that that that's the first time a black man in a movie has ever hit a white man right Mm. is that the first time
0: I mean, again, I can't say 100%. Everything in the documentaries, they skirt around it. They're all like saying this is, you know, uh, as far kind as people of can one tell of it the is, first But there could be something like, yeah, it's hard to really be 100% with it. But yes, it's right there. Like nothing in the main populace, nothing for sure that was doing, that was in the box office at the end of the year had done something like this. And we were about mm-hmm. three and then four years behind Shaft and uh, Superfly and all those black exploitation films where – Okay, we're right at the forefront, like it was about to happen. You know, black cinema mm-hmm. was about to happen and mm-hmm. about to be shown in a very different way. And this film was really leading that. Really.
2: Did you say yeah. they they still had segregation in the cinemas when this opened? Oh, I don't know.
0: I didn't say that, but I don't. Okay. I don't know.
1: Oh, that would no, be I interesting to know. But it, it's like just put yourself in their, sh- you know, in a black person's shoe in the '60s, and to go to the theater and see that, and to
0: yes absolutely mm. to see
1: i don't know it's just yeah i think that's again, huge again, i wonder how, I wonder of, how they felt about it you know mm-hmm. how it impacted yeah, their lives
0: there are good yeah. interviews with people in that birth of the living dead documentary that i really recommend it's about an hour and 15 minutes it's on itunes most people can watch it where they interview people yeah who who were from that era and saw it and how that affected them as young black people at the time and yeah. kids at the time and, you know, particular in 2018, when we're in a time where right now, Black Panther just, be- you know, beat Titanic in terms of gross. Mm. Like, it's becoming such a big film. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking, I don't want to get into it too much, but we've been talking about the positive, negative things of when a film is completely one color to change things. And what I like about Night of Living Dead is it it changed things by showing the relationships between people and saying, we don't care. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care mm-hmm. if you're male female. I don't care if you're black and white. Everyone here is treated the same. Other than an ending, which accidentally some people take as a social commentary. Towards the white man and black people, obviously, at the time. But Mm -hmm. that was never intended. Uh, Mm -hmm. But what can you do? Well, I'm Mm -hmm. just so happy. I'm so happy we started on a high note. It's such a bummer when you start a franchise and people don't like the first film.
4: (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. No, this is great. I'm super excited
0: so yeah we will be back next friday with the crazies and then the friday after that will be when we hit the true next film in the series which is dawn of the dead which we'll have to to talk a lot about because there are about fucking there's three official different versions of that film that are very different from each other wow Um, but we'll only be reviewing one i'll talk about the others briefly until then head on over to weirdgeeks.com weirdgeeks.com where you can patch out to our social medias to our twitch channel and all of these podcasts we've done Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Child's Play, uh, Night of the Living Dead stuff we're doing now. We've done Invasion of Body Statues, Hellraiser, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. And we've also done non-horror stuff like Danny Boyle and Star Wars, which both of these, these lovely people are in. What else do we do? We have topical stuff. Every other Tuesday, we put up a topical podcast about game, video games and movies. And at the moment, we're doing it every Tuesday. You can also subscribe to us. For different channels we have weird geeks for everything weird geeks move horror channel for just the horror weird geeks movie channel for just all the movies and then just geeks for just our topical show if you can subscribe and leave us a star rating it really does help because we do all this for free um and we work very hard and it actually costs a lot of money and a lot of time and sometimes we have to watch terrible movies today is not one not of those days <laughs> Uh, (laughs) well well, i do it for free Uh, i'm just kidding we watch uh man like the last game through hellraiser that was something where i was like that's i questioned why we do this (laughs) for a lot of that series
1: i mean honestly some of the star wars stuff that you put me through i had to question (laughs) what what did i do you had to do the
0: animated movie Uh, as well
1: oh the animation oh god don't even
0: Oh, Don't remind me. Uh, so it really does make a difference. If you can subscribe and rate, that's, you know, it's, it's free for you. It takes 30 seconds and it really helps us out. But thank you very much for listening. I've been Al White and you can follow me on the social medias as Mr. Al White, M-I-A-L-W-H-I-T-E. What about you, Haruka? How can people?
2: I am ruka.haruka on Instagram and haruka.abe on Twitter. Christina. Hi.
1: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I am... At underscore hi Christina on Instagram, and I think it's the same thing on Twitter. Yep. You tweet much? I don't tweet much. I sometimes I retweet political yeah. stuff like once yeah. in a while when I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't do much on there.
0: You both have good Instagrams, though. So That makes up for it.
1: It's fine. Okay.
0: Fine. <laughs> your, Insta, your Insta stories, Christina. <laughs> They're what? all Nothing.
1: What? Tell me. <laughs> They're all what? I would like to know no, what you think. You've got
0: a good variety of Insta stories. Either what? like beautiful places that you're going to or cool parties that you're going to. They seem to be like the two jacks of the... Oh, your dog. Quite a lot of you.
1: <laughs> I mean, everything else I don't think anybody wants to see.
0: No, that's true. Parties, beautiful places and groucher. Yeah. It. That's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. Thank you very much everyone for listening. We'll be back next Friday. Until then, we are out. Geeks.
1: Cakes Cakes